would you tell anything your younger self like what you could have done differently like as a competitive player why are you laughing okay why are you laughing i, I want to know first why you're laughing <laughs> i mean it's, it's a tough question for sure um i'd say like you could always like do something better and if i would really go back in time i could uh, tell my younger self hey start early like in battle 4 for example i started quite late if you if you want to compare to like someone like vela for example like a bunch of like the older guys that came over like from battle 3 um i would have like wanted to to start uh, like in like 2013 basically when the scene first started in battle 4 that would have been like the best time to get into it but simply um like the best advice i could give me try really hard um in, in battle four times and then don't play the game at all because it wasn't really worth it to play battlefield for the last let's say like five years because there simply weren't any any competitions there was always a guy who um who believed basically in, in in dice and in battlefield and the competitive battlefield scene i still do to be fair and i still think it can be like a great uh, esports title even battlefield but at the same time so many other people quit and looking back to it i put a lot of time in that i i'm not getting back anymore and you, you i'm not sure it was really worth it you regret it in a way right kind of i i, I don't regret yeah I, I don't regret like the whole experience but um for example the the time i put into like playing battle four versus back in the day i must have played like over a thousand hours in even though it was like super fun like playing with friends and uh, like simply learning and improving mm -hmm. yeah right? it's funny that you honest you regret it <laughs> 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 I mean, like regret is like a strong word, but uh, I really could have used the time in a different way. Absolutely agree. Like... I mean, I regret it too. I like <laughs> <laughs> this was my first. This was this also was where I was laughing uh, like five minutes ago because uh, yeah, uh, if I could speak to myself, uh, what was it, two thousand eleven? I mean, basically when I started Battlefield Three, I would say, hey, just don't. <laughs> uh, you're gonna have some great times, but. Potentially, you're going to invest a lot of time in a career that will ultimately not be the, the, the one you, you want. Uh, um, I think I needed it, though. I think I needed to have all this attention to to know to prove to myself that I could be a, a correct player. But in the end, uh, yeah, I think I would say to myself, uh, you know, just you know, play uh, conquest large, but don't play infantry. It's going to go to your head. And you're gonna end up uh, on Battlefield 4, uh, playing eight hours a day uh, and trying to do the, the jump uh, at every jump. So don't be that person. Just please describe yourself with your own words, Craig. Um, who's Willa? Who's Vincera? Like, uh, how would you describe yourself with a few sentences? Maybe we start with you, Johannes. Um, I mean, uh, I'm, I guess I'm a, like a competitive battlefield player. That's what I'm like most known for. Um, I've now joined EA uh, like one and a half years ago as a German community coordinator. But I guess like most people are most familiar with my name as like Johannes, not Vincera in like competitive battlefield, like all throughout, like battle four, hardline, battle one, incursions, and even like a little bit of battle five. So yeah. You're working now for EA, I think, right? As a German community co coordinator, right? Exactly, yeah. But you're working for all kinds of games and titles, right? Not uh, like battlefield, not really, right? It's more like a uh, FIFA. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, Battlefield, of course, too, but uh, so like Apex, for example, or FIFA, it is uh, like an EA position and not at the EA dice specifically. Uh, can you tell us quick how your work looks like? Like, how how do you work with the community there together? How do you help them? Um, I'm basically like responsible as a, like the German community coordinator for uh, like, of course, like Germany, Austria, Switzerland, like the German speaking um, countries. Um, it's about like the forum, for example supporting people to that, um, like giving announcements, for example, if like any uh, new updates are coming out and like maintenance, for example, any like server issues, that kind of stuff. And yeah, just like community work, it's it can be pretty much uh, all kinds of stuff. So for example, I was like moderating the year play live streams uh, just recently too. Oh, nice. Nice. That sounds super interesting. Um, well, like you're doing something completely different. Um... For your work right i think i read something like your ux uh you're working like a ux designer how do you call that like a uh administrator in a wo robotics company or something right yeah i'm actually surprised that this information is on the internet uh, well you said I, it <laughs> I, I should watch what i'm saying ah, researcher right it was ux researcher i think yeah in a company you, which builds human uh human uh yeah, basically, I was uh, after my internship at Dice, where I was in UXR too. Uh, I wasn't hired, uh, and I um, I found an opportunity in France to do basically the same uh, thing, the same job, but applied to the way people interact with uh, robots. In um, in which case, it's uh, humanoid robots, uh, and I also started uh, in the same company uh, a PhD uh, at the same time. So I'm basically doing the two at the uh, at the same time, which is uh, quite time consuming, uh, but uh, well, it's an interesting job and indeed there is no connection with uh, what Yannis is doing. Um, it sounds super interesting, to be honest, like, uh, I mean, me personally, I'm a uh, yeah, science fiction fan, so I thought like, this is interesting. I've never guessed that you're doing that now, you know, like I thought you were totally working in the gaming industry. And when I read that, you know, I was like, hmm, I need to ask that again. And you said it's a long story how you got there. So this didn't sound like a long story. What's the no, long story about? <laughs> I'm sorry about how I got in uh, robotics mm -hmm. company. Yeah, I, I uh, just need to ask because I'm curious. <laughs> well, so that's uh, it started when I got back from uh, Sweden. So I had uh, my internship at Dice, which was absolutely great. It gave me uh, great working conditions, mm -hmm. uh, and I was told that I may be hired. Uh, basically, I had a few people uh, at Dice who wanted me back, uh, and. Uh, I think that at the same time, HR was not especially fond of uh, hiring people. Uh, I think a few people were actually getting fired in EA, in EA at the same time, like uh, quite a, a few hundred people. I'm not sure it's connected with me not being hired. Maybe I was not, not the right profile, but it's, put, but it's possible that, uh, well, it was not the right context. Okay. Uh, anyway, at the end, I, I ended up not being hired, which is uh, perfectly fine. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to do a PhD on um, like video games, like on, on a very specific topic, which will be a whole story by itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and the issue with uh, doing a PhD about video games is that you don't get fundings usually. You uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, but you don't have money. Um, and I had a friend of mine who told me, hey, if you want, you can try uh, in uh, UX research a, a mission in our company, which is a, a good company for robotics. So I say, hey, okay, let's try. Um, a, and I ended up, you know, really, really enjoying uh, working on robots, which are very different from working uh, on how people interact with video games, but there are some connections. Uh, and um, then I thought, oh yeah, maybe there's an opportunity to do my PhD 
on this topic and to have some money at the same time. Uh, so yeah, that, that was the way I found to survive and to do a PhD. Uh, uh, sounds like you're happy with that job you found by accident, more or less, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm fond of not um, struggling for money. Uh, <laughs> and I'm so really fond of the job for many, many reasons. Nice. Um, how did you guys both um, get, or maybe we start with the gaming, like, uh, when did you both start gaming? What age? Uh, five, actually. With five? What was the first yes. game you played? Uh, the Settlers. It's like the Siedler and, and German, it's like some German. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a top. Okay, I know what it is. Yeah. I never played it. I played something similar, but I can't remember the name again. Yeah, a long time ago, but through my father, of course, and uh, PC Gamer, true and true. Mm -hmm. How about you, Damien? Yeah, it was, so my, my dad bought a computer when I was two, but I'm not sure I was already playing because I don't have any memories, but uh, four, I'm sure, because I have videos of me at, at four years old. Uh, I was moving the mouse very slowly. It's terrible to see. I saw one video of your, you posted, your dad, yeah. we call it. <laughs> this one, <laughs> yeah. Funny. And I think, you know, parents usually, I mean, in my case, my parents put me in a computer because I was calm. So they were not annoyed by me anymore which is how I started playing video games, sadly. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what was the first Battlefield then you started playing? I mean, you started very early. You probably got, well, what do you play? Like uh, 1942 or what was the, yeah, 1942? Well, what did you start with? What was your first uh, title? I actually started with like Battlefield 1942, yeah. I yeah. was uh, 10 years old. That was my first uh, first person shooter actually at my uh, best friend's brother's LAN. So uh, he just had a, a couple of computers over there and invited us to, to, to play because I didn't have enough players. And uh, <laughs> I was I, I still remember like how I was utterly stunned by Battlefield 1942 at the time. You know, like the graphics I thought looked so amazing, so real. And like now looking back, of course, like 20 years later, pretty much, um, it is absolutely like insane what I thought was good graphics at the time compared to uh, nowadays. But uh, well. Uh, what about you, Damien? What was your first my, Battlefield? Uh, my first Battlefield was Battlefield 3. I am not... Uh, well, Johannes can oh. look down on me about really? that. I was really... Yeah, so... My first my, Battlefield was Battlefield 3. I thought like I'm the only person who no, no, started so late. Most of the people I know were... Damn, uh, you make me feel better. So Thank it you. was a gift in 2011 from uh, my girlfriend at the time who did a terrible mistake because she was like, hey, maybe you should uh, relax a bit. So she bought me the best game at the time. And that was uh, obviously <laughs> the best way to make me play uh, eight hours per day. Um, how did you guys meet then? What was uh, well, through Battlefield 3 probably because that was your first game as well or? No, I, I gotta oh, be fair. Okay. Like I played Battlefield 1942 and even like some, um, like Battlefield 2, for example. Uh, Vietnam, for example, I like to play Vietnam and fly around in a chat actually, but it was not very good at all. I, I was just like a kid and playing it for fun, not much at all. And I actually like switched to Counter-Strike later on. So um, I first like started playing Battlefield, you could say like serious or um, like on a more competitive level in Battle 4. And How that's really? when we both actually met too in just competitions as opposed. Okay. So you were in different teams at the beginning or? Yeah. And and when did you wait? Uh, Dupree was on Battlefield One, right? Yeah, you incursions. Incursions. So that was in 2017. And you met through Battlefield Four. That was like oh, when was 
like f- in 2014 f- basically 14? like i started uh like playing comparatively like towards the uh let's say like summer basically of 2014 and Vela was already like playing uh i mean i guess he can tell the story best but he was already playing at the time okay. for quite some time yeah, all right I so think... so give me your story guys what's your perspective there how did you meet then come on come on i will give my side afterwards <laughs> right so uh yeah like two battle four competitions um the, the first time was i don't know like prolex so just like some online go for something back in the day uh like when when Vela was playing in infamous as opposed and uh, i just like started up in some couple like like lower level teams uh probably something like ydk or um i don't even know when exactly like was the first match we played but around that time must be like towards like the summer or like fall of 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no you're so quiet. <laughs> because I have no memories of uh, uh, of meeting you in 2014. Uh, I, I, what I remember clearly is the um, Gamescom 2015, where we played together. And I already knew you back then, so we must have spoken online way before. But yeah, in 2014, I really don't have any memories uh, of you especially, but at the same time, you know, you we were so many you. people. You can't remember you. Yeah, this is... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the, the community was quite big at that time, so yeah, of course. Exactly, huge community, so very a lot of names, a lot of German names. So. Lots of um, German dudes, man. Yeah. Strange names, you can't remember them all. That's true. That's true. I mean, you're in Germany, Gamescom. Lots of yeah, German Yeah, in Gamescom, people. I remember you, because <laughs> we, were, we were abusing the well, the Zuzu jump, and I think Johannes told me, hey, uh, you should really stop doing that or something. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I was a horrible person at the time, so I, I was really using your team to go as far as I, as I could with the Zuzu jump, and well, joke's on me. I remember. I, we, we got like really destroyed uh, with the next match. So uh, in the end, you were right. I should have stopped doing that. And I remember precisely you telling me that after the, the match. Yeah, like even before. And you know, like we actually figured out the Suzu jump uh, ourselves, like before we actually went to LAN. And uh, like we purposely decided not to use it. Really? There were some, uh, yeah, like Nova, I believe, like wanted to use it and uh, still did a little bit back in the day. But he, he wasn't allowed to play at LAN. He was too young at the time. But all the rest of us, like we, we decided, yeah, it, it's not worth it to like abuse a bug like that. But then we got pretty much farmed by by Vela online. Yeah, I remember somewhat uh, nice one before with a G eighteen or something. I still get PTSD from that time. <laughs> yeah, so it was a like a moral decision from you, not uh, because you felt it wasn't optimal to use this as a jump. Yeah, I mean, I still stand by that. Uh, I feel like it's like a bug in the game, and by abusing it in that sense, it is uh, against the rules technically. Mm-hmm. All com- all competitions basically have like specific rules of like no bug using, no glitch using, and uh, like personally, I felt pretty strongly about that, and to this day, I, I'm not using it. Interesting. How yeah. how is it with like head glitches and stuff like that? Like, is it a, a big problem, or was it a big problem that time, like in Battlefield Four, like in general, using like uh, well, like uh, things that would be in your advantage, but it's not really fair, stuff like that. I mean, that's part of the game, but actually at the very beginning towards uh, when did I patch it, I believe like in 2015, um, they had an update before uh, like your bullets actually came out of like your eyes, basically. So that way you could really like head glitch over like the most annoying angles. 
but in a patch i believe like towards like the end of 2014 2015 maybe they changed it that your bullets will actually come out of like a gun so they eliminated like a bunch of head glitches that way and um balance the game sort of yeah yeah in battlefield 3 we had this uh head glitches were normal this was something that you will try to abuse as much as you can uh, as you could especially if, like we had paper stacks like uh, big texture with a lot of papers and when you, you were standing behind them you could see only like the very top of the guy's helmet so they were already part of the game and on battlefield 4 yeah, because of this patch we, we lost that notion of head glitch uh, which was a good thing in many ways uh, but in general i think the the notion of abusing glitches is always there with uh, competitive video games because we are always on the on the edge of what's you know in the rules and of what's not really in the spirit of the game uh, or of the competition but that's acceptable and there is always this thin line between you know what's possible to do and what's completely against the rules and players are always playing uh, in this general area uh, which is why we have you have uh, a few conflicts because sometimes things are in the rules but they are just not in the spirit of the game i have a few examples if you want but uh i don't like it's been a lot of time so well you have a few examples the fanatics uh they had at one point found a way to go at the top of uh, a building i think on the Madden, uh, on, um, on okay. Dawnbreaker. On Dawnbreaker. Yeah, they, they, they cut a tree down basically they're able to like jump on the tree and got like on an area that was otherwise like unaccessible to to players yeah which was and genius like honestly that, that was yeah. when i was in oh like when i saw that i was like well they i mean we tried to do the same we failed so somehow they are smarter than we are but at the same time this was not precise in the rules and this is one of these cases where you're like okay what should we do uh what i guess the admins have to take a decision uh because that's the player's job to be as efficient as possible and there are some gray zones uh and that's i mean this is why you have so many rules these days also like don't use this or that right i mean like rules with especially like this you know don't jump on a building don't use these or these spots uh, is this like annoying for you as players or do you say no it's necessary because the game doesn't give us a chance um, I mean, on one side, of course, I, I completely agree, especially like when you're playing on the highest level, you you try to get every advantage you can get. And if teams and players are smart enough to figure out like certain tricks or certain ways they can uh, like use the maps or like certain stuff to the advantage, hey, go for it. I mean, it's still a competition after all, and the win is what counts. Um, but of course, like the rules are rules for a reason to make the competitions fair and balanced for everyone. So to to bring up like back to like Fnatic, uh, to real example about Fnatic, um, the admins actually went back right afterward and uh, put it in the rules that you are not allowed to access that area. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's very complicated to foresee all the possible uh, things that you have to um, take into account when you're making the rules. Uh, yeah, exactly. I guess you discover uh, step by step uh, how the game can be abused as the, at the same time as the as the players very often. Um... I'm thinking right now how to not... I have so many questions right now about comp, but I want to actually talk to about it a little bit later. And I'm thinking right now if you should jump in right there now and just see where, we, where we're going. Um, okay, let's let's just maybe stay with comp and then we try to pick up the, the story and history maybe on the way. Um, where do we start though? Maybe let's start talking about the right mindset. Um, 
Do you think, did, did you guys work over the time? Did you think about even like what's the kind, right kind of mindset you need to be a great comp player? Did you ever think about that? Was it ever important for you? If you want to go first, Damien. <laughs> well, there is thinking about it and there is applying it. I think we all had a general idea of what's an effective mindset, but applying it, applying it takes uh, professionalism, uh, which in my team, we didn't have uh, enough to really apply the mindset. So I would say a, a good mindset to a professional, professional player is to, uh, to see on the long run, uh, which is that if you fail a few matches, that's all right. You have a random factor also. You have to take into account that you, you can't win all the time and you have to try to uh, maximize uh, you know, the, your performance. Even if sometimes you have uh, bad uh, matches, you don't have to uh, have uh, like uh, a fight with your teammates every time something goes wrong. Um, we didn't do that. <laughs> um, and as a, a, another element I think which is very important is to accept that you're not here only to have fun and that you may not, you know, do something because it's more e effective not to do it. Um, and that's that something that the when you are in the action, when you have, it let's say, we know that if, if I know that uh, there are two guys be be below it. me and I, I can just jump on them and make a nice uh, one versus two uh, fragment of the action, I should not do it, obviously, because that's uh, like the, the worst possible move. And I think in French teams at the time, and maybe because we were not very professional people, we tended to let ourselves go to uh, nice actions. You know, we, we wanted to have adrenaline. We wanted we wanted fame, basically, more than efficiency. And that's why many, many uh, of our fights were so chaotic. So that's, I think, a good mindset. Maybe, Johannes, you have something better. I mean, it's, I, I definitely agree with you. And I think that comes from the reason that um, even though like we played at the highest level of Battlefield, maybe compared to like other esports titles, um, the mindset basically in the professionality is on a completely different level. Uh, Got to be honest, and the people that are playing there for like millions of of prize money, they really have to practice stuff like their mindset and their mentality so much more, and really have to um, put emphasis on even like the little things to to stay on top because it all makes a difference. The right mindset can go from from everything, from like showing up to practice, for example, to yeah, like not necessarily like raging at your teammates, like trying to work out problems, but uh, not only like focusing on stuff that went wrong, but also focusing on stuff that went right, and adjusting to um, to take things away from that, and going into the next match basically and focusing that. But yeah, of course, also like what you said, um, playing in competition, it's not really like about fun necessarily; it's about winning, and that mindset is alone the real like competitive mindset i'd say that's what you basically need as like a competitive player if you ever want to make it you can't just like play for fun and you don't really care about losing no you really have to be there to win when you talk about losing would you say like in retrospective every loss you have is also a gift because you learn something from it hmm. in the best situations i guess you learn something from it um most of many many situations we like no i i think sometimes you just really lose like there is nothing to like all the mistakes are already known you just can't manage to apply what you already know this is the worst kind of 
uh, defeats. It's when you you basically see that you're doing the same mistakes over and over again. And it seems like no matter how much you try to apply the, the theory, like the, the, the plan, you always fail to, uh, you know, when you are in the, in, in, in the action, you always fail to somehow do what you said you will do. And so sometimes, no, you, there is nothing to, to learn. But of course, uh, most of the time, you just have to watch the replay. And uh, if you have one, you will learn so many, so many things. It's less true on Battlefield because we didn't have, uh, you know, replays like you, have, like you can have on CSGO. So it's less easy to micro-analyze uh, all the positions of the guys in front of you. Uh, so you have less tools to really um, learn uh, from whatever happened on, on the map yeah, to where you are playing. But on CSGO, obviously, uh, League of Legends, they have all these tools, uh, very, very, very uh, like uh, high-level tools that tools where they can just uh, you know verbalize everything that has happened during the game. Yeah, that's a really good point because uh, games like those have like a demo system where you can look through and see like all the perspectives from all players at the same time while when you like try to find mistakes uh, in battlefield you can only rely on your own footage if you record it and like of your teammates basically and like try to analyze and think about okay like what went wrong in that exact moment and how we can do better but in the end like practice makes perfect and the, the more you play the more you try to improve on this kind of stuff um the more it will happen like every single time I'm looking back to like some of my old um, like footage, some of my old like gameplay, I can instantly see like so many mistakes that I did that I did not even realize I did back in the day. It's yeah, it's not that easy to figure out. All right. Um, IG Media says many, many competitions are decided by who made the most mistakes. The winner is the team that makes the fewest. Yeah, well, that's kind of true, right? What do you yeah, say, for guys? sure. At high level, I guess, yeah. At, at, um, if you have a very healthy competitive scene, almost everyone is at the same level. Uh, like the, the the gap between the players, whether it's about skill or about preparation, is very low. So with, yeah, in, the, in this situation, it's about uh, doing less mistakes. On less healthy competitive scenes that I've seen, and I think Battlefield 4 at one point was in this case, Sometimes the guy, the, the the team who win is the team with the best aimers or you know anything, because you don't have this, uh, you don't have this. Um, I mean, you you have a huge gap between teams. Yeah, like the highest level of competition, like the higher you go, the more it is depending on yeah, like the mistake space you can make versus the other team. But in like other kind of types, when you like play as like a favorite versus, uh, let's say like mid level team. Um, just like your aim alone can can win gunfights, but the higher up you go in the competitions, it, it all doesn't really matter because everyone is going to have like great aim. That that goes for like all first-person shooters, for example. Like even like in CS:GO, people are saying um, like certain players are not really known for their aim, while in reality they're all like already on such a high level that the small mistakes play a much bigger role of winning or losing. Hmm. Yeah, consistency I would say is key uh, at very high level. It's like uh, if I had to choose between people who are um, explosive players, you know, who can do an insane one versus four uh, once in a match, and people who can't do that one versus four, but who are able to consistently do one versus one or win their one versus two, mm -hmm. uh, I think definitely the, the best player, the, the safest player to have in my team will be the one who is consistent, uh, because you know you can rely on that on, on that on that guy uh, on the long run, uh, and uh, consistency I think is the is the hardest thing to 
to keep when you are playing against people who are you know good as you are even better than you are yeah exactly there will always be times when uh, like you're on the bottom of the scoreboard or like you might not be the best but to basically figure out a base level where you never drop below is, mm -hmm. is really important so uh, basically you don't lose your your team the the game every once in a while even though you might win him um like i don't know like out of like five games you might win one game but the other two for example the reason why your team lost might be because of, like you're underperforming and that kind of consistency level is also like super important to uh, to stay on that level that's very interesting i was just thinking about uh damien i was just thinking about the video you made um about how uh regular players can learn from beginners and i i think that that also shows a little bit how humble you are and how eager you are to learn for everywhere you can in this situation is that true like i mean why did you make a whole video about it how to look on you know regular games to learn from new players and beginners yeah Why is it important uh, for you well the the, the 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 base idea of this video was that if you watch uh beginners they will have behaviors that are not expected by uh players who are very familiar with a game uh, because they have they don't have in their mind already a pre-existing model of the game so they will just run in a straight line when no one does that anymore after a few hours and uh, well, I was trying to find examples of legitimate professional players who said that they were indeed trying to, to uh, that they were indeed inspired by beginners. Uh, uh, I don't know exactly if there is, there, is there is a term for that, but you know there is the, the situation where you brain someone, where we are smarter than the person. Well, there is also a lot of situations where you do something that's so apparently stupid that. Uh, the, your opponents are going to be very, very surprised that you even did that. And w when you when you watch, um, I don't know, like uh, CSGO, for example. Um, yeah, there was this good video. I wish I have it here. I'm sorry. So, guys, I, I should have brought it, actually, when I think about it now. You know, was the guy was the guy who took out the handgun and then, right? The example you had in your uh, video? 2K, I believe, on this too, A-side, right? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Exactly. That was so good. May yeah. I, sorry, I uh, interrupted you. Go ahead. No, and um, I, I think it's, uh, I don't exactly know about other sports, but in video games, uh, you're also playing, of course, the players, and like, in, like in poker. So some moves may be the same as beginners from professional players, but they are doing them with a very different understanding of, of, the, of the situation. Basically, uh, the I was watching uh, Vitality versus, um, I think it's... Um, uh, Navi, which is which are maybe still playing currently on CS:GO, and at one point uh, Apex just went in a straight line through a smoke, uh, and uh, well, killed someone who wasn't prepared uh, for him. And typically, the guy was not expecting Apex to do something that's completely against the, the, the meta. You don't just go through smokes, uh, running literally running without even trying to cover his uh, uh, his sound, and uh, that worked. And that, that worked. And the, because Apex had, uh, like, he was thinking third degree. You know that the guy knew that he knew that he knew. Uh, and you, you end up having these weird moves from professional players, which look dumb, which we are, but are actually smarter than the, you know, the, the smart moves. Uh, if you see mm -hmm. what I mean. Reverse psychology, bloody sad. Inverted psychology, bloody sad. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah that's yeah. definitely the way to go. I mean, you have to throw on some dumb stuff every once in a while, especially like on, on such a high level where everyone 
already has like all these like protocols and knows what to expect. Okay, the players are gonna do this and that. And if you um, do something completely different, it's gonna throw them off, of course. And that is like why you can always learn from from anyone, no matter what level they are playing on. It could be like a completely beginner, and maybe he's gonna do something that might be really like a dumb play. But because other people are simply not used to it, then they have like a completely different perspective on their own uh, on their own game. Mm -hmm. It might work. It's, Do you have a really story of your own to share here? Do you have a story of your own to share here about you win a match, maybe even in the ESL league, by doing something like that? Hmm. Go on, Johannes. I always do dumb stuff when I'm playing, so I'm, <laughs> it's, like, it's not because unusual you can, for me. Because you care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm not sure if there's like one specific example. Um, I'm not sure there's really that, that much um, to to learn from like lower level players on battlefield specifically because when you're playing public yourself and like you raise up like true playing public you have like a similar experience like playing uh from the same perspective basically um so it's 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 not that easy i think like csgo is uh, a lot easier because like people like really like try to figure out like certain like new ways to play mm -hmm. and to uh, like certain like really like small tricks Uh, but yeah, I think what it comes down to in the end is um, what the other enemy team expects to do. And once you have like the experience uh, that goes off, cause like can in hand, like the game sense of like how the other team will play, you can also do like dumb plays basically, like same battlefield. You can like run like straight like through smoke or something, uh, just like completely disregard people and uh, like flank them around because you are expecting them not to be there because they're too busy on uh, another side of the map or something like that. All right. Um, Johannes, you, you told me now pre-talk Debris was the best team uh, that time, right? Why uh, and how? That was in Battle 1 Incursions. Mm -hmm. Why and how? Why, why were you better than... And, and I'm not talking about yeah because we won the most matches. Like, how <laughs> did you, you know? Why, why do you think you were better than the others? Why did you think you could win all these matches? I mean, first of all, like the, the pieces are important and that are like the players that you uh, basically build your team with. And what we did back then um, was like Aduzi and I, for example, like Aduzi was known as uh, like one of the best tankers or like in Battle 4 previously. And uh, when, he when he came into like Battle 1 incursions, we knew each other like through playing some mixes. So we knew we were like both like really good in our certain like worlds and we decided to build a team. And we were looking for like other like-minded players that could um, perform on the same kind of level, that mm -hmm. have the same like kind of chemistry. So it's really important to pick up um, players that you're like comfortable playing it like in terms of like chemistry but they are also like on the on the highest level that you can possibly get and especially like in a game like battlefield that is maybe like not highly developed compared to like the top esports titles um simply having players with the most skill on your lineup and the best players in their current roles is like super important but beyond that um what every single team can focus on no matter what their skill level is is literally like the team play and the communication i think like those will be like the two key points Uh, mentality and stuff like that, mindsets, it's its all important. But at the end of the day, you really need to know how you can play together with your team and like utilize your resources um, like the most efficient way and play off each other. Like Incursions, for example, was very specific because we had a tank in the game in a 5v5 game mode. And it was basically all around of like countering the other tank or like supporting your own tank. Yeah, I think we were maybe the only team to embrace the tank mm -hmm. as, a, as a gift and not as um, a something, curse, yeah. yeah, as a curse, yeah. 
<laughs> Anything else to add there, Damien, from your end? No, Ionis was the leader in game. I was just focusing on uh, killing people. And uh, I like the less mental load I have, the better when I'm playing these days because I'm older than before. So I was leaving Ionis with all the, the theory and I was just focusing on the, on, you know, doing what he told and uh, uh, killing people. Yeah, Johannes, you're also the team leader Germany, right? Yeah, like team. exactly. Team captain of Team Germany, too. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like team leading and Ingram leading is a hugely important job to basically like put the player's focus of like your own player's focus on, yeah, just killing people, like focusing on their own game. Mm -hmm. While uh, just like one guy is making the decision making, the strategy, basically how to counter that, how you want to approach like certain situations in the game. And if you if you trust your team captain, like your in-game leader, and just like follow through what whatever he's saying, then you're all like on the same page, and you can focus on your own game while the in-game leader basically has you, the um, <laughs> the in-game leader has the basically game plan in his mind, and uh, that's that's quite a big part of the game too. Yeah. How, many, how often did you guys train together, like during the week? I mean, you have to get this chemist chemistry going, right? So you need to play like as often as possible together right before matches or how, how did it how often did you play together like daily three times a week as often as we could basically it's always like hey you want a piece of me it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was the recurring joke we just yeah. say the Jonas just say PCV in the Discord and we uh, we, we say that yeah, yeah. I think we, we play the daily if I remember correctly I mean I think maybe the elephant the elephant is room is that um, it was not a professional scene in, in the in the strong term in the strong sense of the term uh, mm -hmm. we, we we played against people who we are just you know trying to see if that was a potential uh, scene on which they would uh, develop and maybe earn money one day um, but we were not at any point playing against people who would spend their lives on the maps um, theorizing and trying to to find the best way to to win it well um like yeah but well also you didn't have the chance with incursions really i mean that's what we were uh hoping for yeah but no we didn't have the chance but like there, there is a, a big difference between for example if you watch uh, what players were doing on overwatch uh at the very beginning of Overwatch, like the professional players on this game at the very beginning since they were so much to grind, so many things to discover. We were playing between, I mean, the guys I knew who succeeded, they were, they were, they were like not just playing, but actually uh, playing as a team between like six to 10 hours a day. Like they were, you know, just being on maps, testing stuff, finding new meta. They were doing that for like six to 10 hours, which is more than the, than more than what someone uh, would, uh, would do on Battlefield 4 uh, uh, or has ever done on Battlefield 4, I think. Um, yeah, it's about like how serious you take it, basically. And we incursions, for example, took it very serious because because we also like believe that there's gonna be a scene. We're gonna get picked up by an organization, and there's gonna be big land tournaments. We really believe that uh, EA and Dice are gonna support this game. I mean, they're building it specifically on purpose. This like specific competitive scene from from the ground up, which has never happened before in the whole history of Battlefield, they're putting so much resource into it. So we were pretty sure there's going to be something coming out of it. Mm. In the end, unfortunately, it failed. There, there are multiple reasons for it. And yet, um, it's quite a difference to um, how serious you basically take the games and how you want to approach it. And of course, not everyone is going to have the time to put in like mad hours and practice and practice and practice. But especially like also like the Overwatch guys, um, they knew this was like a game they really liked. 
they uh, they knew they could be the best if they focus on putting the time in at the current moment while no one else was to instantly get a head start, and that paid off for for quite a lot of them. Yeah, mm, that paid off for some of them. <laughs> some of them, yeah. So, you mean. know, it's like uh, as in many sports, you see the one person who did it, but you don't see the ninety nine persons who uh, well don't have money and who spent a lot of time. Um, but who didn't manage to do it. And I, I know some of them, so, well, it wasn't always a beautiful story. Certainly. Yeah, of course, but you could still say the players basically played in the in the first couple of seasons where, yeah. um, at least like other teams, were playing in the beta beforehand and got like a huge advantage through like all that experience. And it took quite yeah. some time for like new upcomers to uh, to get an advantage and eventually like push these other guys out. Yeah. When were, you, when were the whole ESL thing? When you got the championship, when you did win the, when was that again? Are you talking about the ESL one? Yeah. It's not not two thousand four. <laughs> it was uh, basically 15? from two thousand thirteen no, no, to no, no, no. two thousand fifteen. I was yeah, I was on the one. Yeah, I think the support ended precisely after December uh, twenty fifteen. Uh, then. 15. Yeah, that's the last time we had uh, ESL one, and the last time we had a, like a, a big five versus five competitive scene, uh, at least. Yep. Uh, and well, I don't know if you want to speak about it at one point, but this was also the right opportunity to really build uh, a big competitive scene with everything that had been uh, done in terms of player pool and um, viewer pool. And this was, I think, the the moment um, someone somewhere uh, fucked up because. Uh, this person didn't invest uh, in Battlefield 4 uh, when it was the the, the final. Right time. Yeah, the right time. Wasn't that the time? When was the Witcher Branson story again? Was the oh, one that was million? very earlier. That was it in was 2011, maybe 2012, 11? in Battle 3. Battlefield 3? Like, maybe, maybe for Battle 4, at least. It was a $1.6 million uh, tournament announcement for, I believe, like even like PlayStation or Xbox. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, like. <sighs> I'm not sure like which year exactly. It must must be like around like 2011, I believe. And like some teams, like especially like basically like the Battle 4 Fanatic, Epsilon back in the day, even switched to uh, to controller and tried to practice for yeah. that. And then it got all cancelled. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they had a website and everything, and then they took it just they took it down, right? Mm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, well, did Battlefield ever had a chance? Really? I mean, what was missing there? What was missing there? Like. Um, if you, I mean, if you want to, everything you have seen over the years and what you have learned, if you now would have have to look forward to Battlefield 2042, and we know Portal is coming, for example, right? We don't know if a spectator mode is coming yet, but let's see. Let's say it will be there. Do you think the competitive scene would have a chance again? I mean, all the all the yeah. old competitive players moved on, I guess, or most of them. Is that a problem? I think that's a big issue. Uh, so if you compare the current situation to the 2015 situation where uh, when the basically the support ended for the last time, mm -hmm. uh, currently, uh, well, all the, all the people I knew, of course, moved on to something else. Uh, Johannes is currently working at DICE. Many, many people have a real job or many of them are very recognized players on Rainbow Six uh, currently, especially mm -hmm. the, the Brazilian players who were uh, well, obviously among the best players uh, on Battlefield 4, they, uh, many of them, uh, and, and, and an impressive number of them, did it, uh, like, 
are currently famous players on uh, Rainbow Six and have been for a long time. I think the best Rainbow Six player currently uh, is a Brazilian. It's not me saying that. It's just uh, so. So it and he was a better before player at the yeah Nesk exactly. Uh, so so we had quality people at the time, like real professional players with a real uh, professional ethic, who moved on. Um, and of course, we still have quality people on Battlefield, uh, on Battlefield in general. But just like uh, like the numbers are just so low, it's, it's like uh, five percent of uh, what we had before. Even if they are new players, they are just much less numerous than uh, like uh, what was it six years ago. Uh, so of course, that, that's a big problem because you need even even more time, even if the game is uh, is right, and even if there is financial support to build a new uh, player player base of people who are uh, willing to invest uh, a lot of time in competition. Uh, and also the, well, the, the viewer pool is mostly gone also. Like all the people who started to be interested in uh, Battlefield 4 infantry meta, uh, on my side at least, that's who I was speaking with, uh, are mostly interested in other games now or not there anymore. And that also takes a long time. And in, in 2015, this audience was growing. I think we had 30k viewers for mm -hmm. the last, the time, uh, yeah. yeah, which was of course not insane, but for the time it was pretty all right. We were starting to, you know, to burst the the bubble and to become a legitimate legitimate esports, uh, which is very hard to do. And uh, when it happens, you, you should really invest on it because many many games tried and you don't have full control on how your game will. Uh, um, we will um, will work, uh, and so yeah, I think the, the situation is pretty dire in terms of esports uh, on Battlefield currently. It will take years to build a healthy scene. What would it take? Money, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, to bring maybe people who are more like mercenaries at the start who just want the money, uh, which was investors. Okay. Uh, I was speaking about like more players who want ah, the, okay. the, the money. Like a lot of the Battlefield 4 players were actually uh, interested in the money at the very start. At the very, very, very start during the first season, I think we didn't enjoy playing the game because it was buggy, because it didn't fit uh, what we were used to on Battlefield 3. Uh, but I have to admit that having money was an important parameter in building a community afterwards when, when the game got better and better. Uh, and you will obviously need everything you had on Battlefield 4 at the, at the very end, which was uh, interesting mechanics, uh, enough uh, mechanics which allow to have a skilled gameplay, uh, impressive, um, uh, impressive uh, stream uh, highlights stuff, and a, a good game mode, I guess. I mean, the list could go on, uh, but that's what I have in mind right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, the base game basically itself, like that is still the most important. If the game is not competitively or there are not enough mechanics that promote like high level players and uh, basically like a difference between um, lower skilled players and like higher skilled players, then it will be very hard to, to build something competitive. But at the end of the day, everyone can build um, a competitive shooter if uh, you put the right uh, money of course into it like that is one variety of it or you build it organically through like a lot of years like smaller tournaments building a scene stuff like that so for battlefield right now um, we've already done that basically back in like 2015 around the time where um of i course, mean we like, don't we even have the option for platoons right now right uh, for battlefield 2042 that's mm -hmm. not confirmed yet that's not if there will be platoons right? or not but yeah, like not only platoons, but simply tournaments itself would be like a huge 
part of like building anything up at all. And to have tournaments and competitions, there need to be people who organize that kind of stuff. And to put, bring people into like these competitions and tournaments and try to improve their own gameplay, try to get better and better and simply like improve themselves as a player, you need either like the money to bring attention to these tournaments or like support from yeah, DICE developers specifically themselves. So it's it's very difficult to get either one of them and uh, depends what direction they want to go with and how much um, support there will be like from the community side of things. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be, I mean, at least I know of like five organizations, like tournament, organiza uh, um, tournament organizations <laughs> that want to, tournament or organizers that want yeah, to yeah. promote and host tournaments at the start mm -hmm. of like Battlefield 2042. And maybe something can grow out of it. And if like DICE, for example, promotes it and there's going to be like a LAN tournament, it's going to bring people back for sure. And new players will also join the scene. It just depends. I mean, that's how, the thing uh, I was thinking about when... Like everyone is saying like, yeah, well, but the old players are gone, you know, everyone moved on to other games. And I'm thinking like, yeah, but I mean, it's not like there couldn't be coming new players, you know, it's not like we are all depending on the old players. If if this game, if Bellevue 2042 would have the tools and would get the support, I mean, we need, we need something official from DICE or EA as well, I guess, to make it work, right? I mean, the difference nowadays is with Portal that we can build our own game modes. We can finally have like the tools in our own hands to to build a competitive game mode that would make sense. And we as players could really like support and uh, not be like dependent on playing some like Domination, which mm -hmm. is not designed for something competitive at all. So the tools yeah. are there. It just like depends really um, like the interest basically for, from all sides, like even viewers, for example. But um, yeah to to get players into it as also like new players you need the kind of attention on it and like you either need to promote it in the right way or of course you need money for it to put a spotlight on it yeah i, I didn't uh, i didn't want to give the, the impression that i was focusing on all players i'm, I'm just saying mm. they are out of the equation now um, no like... no absolutely I, I heard that a lot before that's all, all that's everything i said not only because you said it mm. actually i heard it a lot like uh People said like, yeah, well, but you know, all the old players, all the so many players moved on. And uh, I mean, we had that before as well, Johannes. We talked about like the problem of um, like, uh, you, I think you said uh, the term turnover, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, when players, when a new Battlefield uh, title comes out and then you have the turnover from the first title to the next title, right? And um, right now, I think we, we definitely had the issue of Belfield 5 not being as successful so we have a loss basically in the turnover to the next game but maybe not because we have a big hype right now so um it, it all really depends on what they will do now we don't even have a date for the beta yet so we i guess we have to wait we have so we have not not enough information about what we will get right um by the way did we miss some questions in the in the chat uh let, let us call up quick what were here love wheeler is in here I think he is a fan for you. <laughs> um, only HFA said, in, in his opinion, my opinion, dev support has to at least include the basics like spectator mode, configuring service, and a good mode or modules. That's also the thing. I mean, you need a competitive mode, right? Exactly. Like that, that is the baseline. Uh, what only said is, of, of course, like completely correct. Um, the baseline and the base game needs to be on uh, like a proper competitive game to have a platform to develop from. 
mm-hmm. includes, of course, like some like a spectator mode is good. Um, well, very, very important to have like Battle Tree, like try to go around it, but it is not as great as like having like a built in spectator mode that you can like easily uh, like stream matches and cast them. It's, it's super important. Mm-hmm. So, otherwise, we're going to have them with Portal that's already confirmed a good mode. We can basically try to build it themselves. Mod tools, um, you can adjust the game modes in specific ways, but what, for example, you cannot do is adjust the map design itself. That exactly. is like the limitation of it. I, I mean, that is a big thing. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. you need a, a mode and you need a consensus on what the mode is. Uh, uh, maybe one of the issues we have with Battlefield more than other games is that potentially anything can be the, the legitimate official competitive mode. Um, and it's often, like, I don't know how it will work when it's to the players, maybe, or to the organizers to decide this is the competitive game mode. Um, like, if you go on other games, usually it's the, uh, there is an authority above the devs who say, hey, this is the like the official game mode of, I don't know, Valorant, CSGO, um, uh, Call of Duty. Uh, and in our case, we may have struggles so to we, we may struggle to reach a situation where every like almost everyone is okay with playing this specific game mode and I, i'm afraid we will be split in different communities which was also the case on battlefield 4 and battlefield 3 um and that will really weaken the uh, potential uh esport scene mm-hmm. exactly like even like in battle 4 and battle 3 back in the day you always had these like fights between the communities of like five five versus eight versus eight, um, where the player pools from from both sides they are kind of like competing against each other and like saying hey like we are like the official game mode or like we are the main competitive battlefield mode, and right now for the future it's gonna be even more dangerous because there's gonna be so many options to build like so many different modes that um, you could really like split the competitive community to a lot of different modes and that will instantly kill the kill it itself. So one of the very, very important things to do, like once the game actually comes out, to decide on like a proper game mode as soon as possible. Yeah. I think um, you you cannot split um, you cannot split everything too much, but at the same time, I'm I'm pretty sure there's going to be something like a five versus five mode again, and something with vehicles, probably like an eight versus eight second uh, setting, or like maybe even ten versus ten. We'll see. But uh, yeah, yeah, we we have. Also, so many you sound things. positive there, <laughs> Johannes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the tools are there, but it really is in the hands of the communities and the players to decide um, in what direction they want to go with, and it's completely their choice. Let's see if anything comes from the official EA or Dice mm-hmm. source. Um, but at the same time, even even if something would come um, f- officially, the community still has options to like play whatever they want to do. So, for example, they are still to this day people that play Battle 3, 2v2, uh, Bazaar, Beefleck, or something like that. Something like very crazy, something very specific. You yeah, can right. do that in this new game. Mm-hmm. But to, to focus like the like proper competitions, to get like the most attentions um, to it, you need to have one game mode that combines all. I mean, you are still competing on Battlefield 4, just for fun, right? Yeah, you're I mean... playing in a tournament right now. Exactly. I'm, I'm still playing a tournament right now. It's also like an eight versus eight started uh, about like a year ago again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's quite funny, like the history of, of Battlefield 4 specifically, because um, technically, like Vela said earlier, the support officially ended at the end of like 2015, this last Easter one um, LAN finals, basically, the wow. official supported tournament. But afterwards, okay. even like 2016, um, there was still a bunch of 
like random like ESL cups without necessarily like price pool or only like random cups with like small price pools to to win a mouse or something like that to to win like a couple of hundred years, not a big deal. Um, but then like through like battle one, the the competitions basically switch to that side then incursions, and now you could say um, a lot of players are back to playing battle four again competitively. And they're back to playing eight versus eight or uh, yeah. twelve versus twelve and not five versus five. Potentially, I mean, some be... are. Yeah. Some uh, still are like 5-5, five, five, but of course you cannot compare with the scene we had back then. And there are only, I don't know, like maybe 10 teams at the most that are still playing and none of them are taking it too serious. They have like proper teams. It's more like basically like a mixed team and they're just playing for fun. Yeah, of course. But I suspect that the, the, the kind of skills required to play 8 versus 8 or 12 versus 12 are still not something you can really find on other games. While for 5 versus 5, we just left uh, Battlefield. We just went on literally any first person shooter uh, that feels quite all right uh, so yeah yeah uh, we were not very faithful faithful to battlefield in our case yeah well let's see who comes back huh <laughs> yeah would you be back Mila? would you be back Daniel? No, I don't like, no, uh, I don't think uh, I, I uh, will already try to play the, the beta. I will try to maybe even stream the first weeks of the after the release of the game. But I know that my, my, my brain will uh, t tell me to stop uh, after a few weeks. Like I will burn out uh, if I try to, to come back. Uh, I know it's too it. much with work and everything probably, right? It's actually too much even by itself. <laughs> like I'm just too old to to have my hectic gameplay or even any gameplay on the on the long run. I get headaches. Like when I was playing Battlefield 5, uh, I was having a good stream. I was really happy. I felt like I was 18 again. Like, mm -hmm. and then I went to bed and I had a huge headache for four days. So oh, it's, okay. a, it's actually yeah, a migraine. Not worth it. that's not worth yeah, it's it. not more not worth it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see. What about you, Johannes? I mean, you're still competing. Would you say like, I mean, small tournaments or? Yeah, I think it is a difference on what level you're actually like mm -hmm. trying to compete. And since we all grew over, uh, grew older from our time playing, like basically like on a professional level, we have different obligations in life right now that we simply cannot put too much time into like video games. That doesn't only like go for us, but like probably like for hundreds of players that, that played during like Battle 4 2, they simply have like a, another life that they can't afford to put too much uh, energy and like time simply into like running this new game, figuring stuff out and becoming the best. Um, I mean, personally, I'll, I'll see, uh, I'll, I'll try to compete and like try to build a scene. If not as player, I, I'm sure I'm going to try to support them like from an admin perspective or even something like from EA if possible. So I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be involved in, in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Damien, I saw, I think you stopped streaming, right? Like in May or something, right? And but you what, said what year? Or something. <laughs> that was a joke. I hadn't been streaming for two years, I think. So I, yeah, I, I think a, two, a few months ago I tweeted uh, I'm, I'm I stopped streaming or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was a joke because uh, oh, you I didn't even stream like for two years. Yeah, as, I wasn't as streaming in the first place. Realize. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I stopped streaming. I think uh, in 2018. Uh, yeah, and I saw that that's the same same time you stopped with uh, content creation as well or on YouTube. Yeah, we I mean, content creation. Right? Yeah, yeah, content creation is, is a great, it's, it's a big word uh, for me because like putting clips together and uploading them on my channel is not really what I would uh, call content creation. Uh, Come on, it is content creation. By the way, content creation, I want to know how, how important do you think like today? Okay, because I mean, you know how it is, time is moving fast, uh, especially in the internet. How, thank you for the follow, guys, by the way. How important, um, 
is today content creation like such as YouTube, TikTok, etc., for competitive players? If you have an answer, Yanis, I'm a boomer, so I don't know. I don't understand this word anymore. <laughs> I, I think it's very important, like content creation, like especially like on, on YouTube or Twitch, it doesn't really matter. It brings more eyes on um, like the game, basically, in the competition, competition itself or like high-level players. Mm -hmm. So I know quite a lot of people that I play with like nowadays in, in Battle 4 and 8v8 that are saying um, they first got in, uh, got in touch with anything competitive by watching Vela's public highlights and like videos and being surprised, oh, you can actually do this in this game. You can actually mm -hmm. be this good. And they took that as motivation, um, like trying to find and become better themselves. So uh, especially like really like in, in the current age where like Twitch, for example, like in YouTube is uh, blowing up so much that it's a big factor of like trying to um, have the support and also like the viewership to anything competitive to simply get the eyes on it. Yeah, I, I would say if you have a healthy competitive scene, you can have players who are only focused on playing, like people that you never see on stream. They don't have a YouTube channel. They may have a Twitter, but you never see them playing uh, directly. You see them on, only on the, on the official competitions. And But there are many, many games on which the, the scene is not that healthy um, already. Like there, uh, people don't have like a fixed salary, for example, and they are forced to do both to be like uh, public figures, to be on, on Twitch uh, and YouTube, and at the same time to play the game at the highest le level they, they can have. And this, I think, is a situation that can benefit some people because they are, you know, they are just good at speaking, at streaming and stuff, but some other can suffer because they, they need to do it and they don't enjoy streaming. And that's how I think you, you burn out and you really, uh, you know, stop playing. Uh, so a game like CSGO, I think it's healthy because you, there are some people who are very, very good and you will never see them play. Mm -hmm. um, but for example, if you look at Overwatch at one point, uh, at, 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 like at the start of the game, like if, if, if you weren't streaming and that you were not already in the, in the very, very few uh, top teams, your life was quite difficult. Uh, and I think Battlefield 4 was in, in this situation also uh, towards the end. Like if you wanted to make a living out of it, you you needed to well to to, to think about uh, being a public figure, uh, which is in my case was not at all the, the case. I just I was searching for I was an attention seeker, so I was just uploading my videos. It wasn't at all uh, this kind of um, uh, priority. I was just thinking, like when you were playing uh, like on live events, like the ESL tournaments and stuff, uh, it probably. How do you say it? How do you say it? Like it was uh, completely different than just playing uh, at home, right? Like the situation is different um, and you are more nervous and stuff like that. So maybe streaming is actually helping you to prepare for events like this in a way. I don't know. No, no not in my experience. Uh, what how, was how was it? Explain how, how was it? Like uh, how was it from your side? Like when you had your first big tournament outside of your room? My first big tournament was uh, Gamers Assembly 2014. I had everything to prove. Uh, I was a complete no-name. Uh, and uh, so we won. Uh, and that was like a mystical experience, uh, really. I think it may sound sad, but it was in the top 10 best moments of my life. Uh, like I was actually, after winning for five minutes, I felt like I could die. That was fine. My life was, uh, I had achieved something. <laughs> Um, so that was a great experience, but like the feeling you have when you are um, during the LAN uh, uh, in front of uh, the, the audience, 
is actually not bad. It's like you have so much adrenaline and you are so focused that you forget that there are, there are people in the room with you. Uh, basically, since we're, you know, you have uh, headphones, sometimes you have two headphones to really, uh, listen uh, to your teammates. Uh, you just forget where you are, honestly. Uh, like, no, I, I, I've never, I've not felt like I was being, you know, watched by other people when I, when I played. Uh, on Twitch, though, when I was streaming, I was playing differently uh, because I knew that I had to impress my audience. I had to look good, and that made me that made me play in a very weird and sometimes uh, ineffective way. But I've not encountered that situation in uh, offline tournaments. Interesting. How was it for you, Johannes? Yeah, I mean, it's it's completely correct in my opinion too, because especially when you play online and you play on something that really matters, you put all your focus on, Intriguing, on your right? screen <laughs> and you you blend everything out. So uh, like even like with like noise canceling headsets, what we had back in the day, yeah. um, you you could not hear the crowd at all, the audience. You you could not focus on anything else other than the actual game and being like the best you could be. And of course, like streaming will be something where. Um, you also like have eyes on your gameplay, but it's a completely different um, side of things, basically. Hmm. Yeah, I'm actually impressed by um, streamers uh, because some of them are able to be good players and to be relevant in what they are saying. They are able to do both at the same time. And your entertainment, right? Yeah I, yeah, I don't get it as well. Like uh, I, Chicken, for example, I had him here in one of the interviews and I'm watching him sometimes and it's like, how does he do it? Like killing all these dudes and then looking to his chat and having these conversations. It's like, yeah, very well, impressive. They, <laughs> they, they often have, I mean, I, the, the best players I see when I was thinking about Valorant, but the best player, they are usually have this um, chill personality, which I think allows them to be to, to focus, you know, their their to their mental energy on the game, and at the same time to be enjoyable to watch, like Shroud, um, like Tens, uh, like some of the best of, uh, streamers I can think about. But you have many people on Valorant. No, they are, they have a personality that doesn't require too much uh, energy. So uh, that may be uh, an explanation. Yeah, I think there's just like a certain point where um, it's important to have like a certain skill level, but at the same time, the personality to still attract um, basically viewers like for, for your personality alone. And if you on top of that can play well and you can show like really like insane gameplay, you instantly become like more likable and uh, people um, empathize with you more basically and invest in you more. If you're just like a, a normal person, you just like have fun playing a game, you can interact with people watching you, but it's like absolutely destroying the, the other team in a video game. Yeah. That is like the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. My French is not good enough. You have to help me, Damien. I think it means something like, wait, let me, let me try. I expect that you make a video with La tradu Traduction. I have no idea what that means. Uh, Was I good? Uh... Did I came so far? <laughs> Great. Uh, perfect French. Uh. Uh, yeah, but what was the last word? I, I have no idea what the last word was. I'm going to connect on Twitch. Yeah, that's why I'm asking him. Bloody. <laughs> God damn it. What are you doing? What are you doing, Damien? What are you doing? Uh, I'm currently trying to uh, go on, on your Twitch. Okay, I'm there. Uh, are you not there? He's not even there. No, I'm sorry. What is he doing? What is he doing? I, I don't okay. have the I don't have the, the thing anymore. Got him. 
he doesn't have the thing anymore. It's okay, don't worry, don't worry. I can, uh, I can copy paste. Ah, j'espère que tu feras une vidéo avec la traduction. Traduction? Uh, translation. Ah, that's sounds translation. Mm. Ah, translation. Ah, there was actually translation. The word was ah, okay. Thank you. All right. Well, man, you 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 didn't see all the love letters then, Wheeler. <laughs> We, you didn't see anything, guys. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. All right. Um, where have we been? So uh, you said like of your 10 favorite. Actually, when you said it, I was like, I needed to ask again. You said like uh, this was one of your 10 favorite moments in your gaming career. So let's talk about the other nine. Damien. Uh, <laughs> well, it may sound sad, but it was not in my gaming career. It was in my whole life. <laughs> Any well, activity. Then included um right. but yeah for, for my gaming career i think so that was the best moment like the the moment where i i went from a no-name to someone who actually proved he could do something uh offline i think this is the maybe one of the most important moments uh, in the life of anyone who has a competition uh you, you you go from potential uh good player to well actual player uh that and uh yeah that was as i said mystical like the, that whole uh this whole It was two weeks, a boot camp and a competition. And I was during the whole, I've never been in a more focused state in my, in my whole life. It was pure focused, uh, pure focus for two weeks. Um, and so I think like just the, the top two would be, what would it be? I don't know, like uh, I, I, the rest is, uh, is not really that good actually. <laughs> Uh, no, that was the only good moment in my gaming career, I think. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, don't be sorry. I mean, at least you had one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What about you, Johannes? Yeah, you I mean, comes up? yeah, for, for sure. Like those kind of like uh, moments where you're like full of uh, dopamine and like you're happy, like you won a tournament and stuff like that. And same goes for um, if you like play the first time on LAN and you're able to prove yourself. Uh, from being like an onliner basically to being someone that is uh, like a serious competitor that can actually like hang with the with the big guys so to speak um that is like a turning point for for everyone's like young uh, like esports career or basically like in any kind of sport the moment where you can prove yourself that you can hang with mm -hmm. people that are like playing on a professional level that is when you really become accepted in that kind of club and you can be um Yeah, just like respected for like your own play style, for your own skill, and that's when you can continue on. How how long did it take you guys to, uh, if you look back, like when you because you said like it took you a long time to get actually to this professional level, right? What do you think? How long did it take you? Like, I mean, you probably had to start on one point to make the decision. I want to get good at that game, or was it more like it it just happened? I mean, for, for me, I had some experience, like before Battlefield, I played some, some Counter-Strike Source back in the day, and then like Combat Arms. I was already like back then getting in the ESL scene, like try to play um, more competitive than Battle 4. I did not actually really like plan to go into that like professional or competitive uh, like career at all. I just realized, okay, I'm becoming a lot better and uh, like public, like playing like normal casual became mm -hmm. a little bit boring and I just like wanted more and like I got into like the scene, like trying to play some, some PCW, some scrims, 
and then they see hey i actually really like that i'm becoming good in that kind of stuff and you could say like from the moment um i i started playing like in battle for a battle four towards like the mid like summer 2014 um like a year later i was playing online at uh, east one gamescom for example oh wow okay it was quick yeah i like i think i started battlefield 3 you know, the thing is, I was playing a lot of video games, uh, competitive video games as a, as a kid already. Uh, like, I spent my whole uh, teenage years playing uh, a game called Soldier of Fortune 2. So I had some experience uh, as a competitive player. And then I, I stopped completely playing all of these games because, well, uh, I was finishing high school and I wanted to have a life. And when I started Battlefield 3, there was something magical which happened is that my progression curve was very 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 quick not because i was talented but because i was just catching up on my previous level and that i think that went to my head because i felt like i i was a genius which i wasn't at all i was just already experienced in video games but i forgot about it so i think that's what led me to competition is that i wanted to check how how far i could go with that feeling, you know, with that with, with uh, that, uh, that that progression curve, I wanted the limit to it, and I found it very quickly. Actually, when I started competition, I dropped down to you know and a very very average player, but of the free. Um, so, I think that's what led me to to play. And then it was a different logic. It was just you know being good at competition, uh, having reputation, um, well having some attention. I think it's a, it's also a parameter really, uh, and. Uh, then I met very interesting people with a very uh, interesting vision of the game, like uh, Jika. Uh, Florian, Florian uh, Drunksy was a bit later. Uh, and I basically wanted to be like them. It was, uh, they had an aura around them. You said Drunken, I... right? Drunken yeah, is also sorry, working Florence. right now for World. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, Florian. It was much yeah, later Florian. than I actually mm -hmm. spoke to Florian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, damn, I had a question in my mind when you said that. If you if you look back now, I, I was just thinking like in retrospective, um, would you tell anything your younger self, like what you could have done differently, like as a competitive player? Why are you laughing? Okay, why are you laughing? I, I mean, want to know first why you're laughing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a tough question for sure. Um, I'd say like you could always like do something better. And if I would really go back in time. I could uh, tell my younger self, hey, start earlier, like in Battle 4, for example. I started quite late. If you if you want to compare to like someone like Vela, for example, like a bunch of like the older guys that came over like from Battle 3, um, I would have like wanted to to start uh, like in like 2013, basically, when the scene first started in Battle 4. That would have been like the best time to get into it. But simply um, like the best advice I could give me, try really hard um, in, in Battle 4 times. And then don't play the game at all because it wasn't really worth it to play Battlefield for the last, let's say, like five years because there simply weren't any any competitions. And I was always the guy who um, who believed basically in, in in dice and in Battlefield and the competitive Battlefield scene. I still do, to be fair, and I still think it can be like a great uh, esports title even Battlefield. But at the same time, so many other people quit. And looking back to it, I put a lot of time in that I, I'm not getting back anymore. And you, you I'm not sure that it was really worth it. You regret it in a way, right? Kind of I, I, I don't regret 
yeah i don't regret like the whole experience but um for example the the time i put into like playing battle four versus back in the day i must have played like over a thousand hours in even though it was like super fun like playing with friends and uh, like simply learning and improving mm -hmm. I, I was I could just thinking about yeah, like bread of x for example you know like back in the days when he didn't have the 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 tools even like a, a spectator mode you know mm -hmm. and stuff like that and they invented so much crazy stuff to make this competitive scene happen from the side of their uh you know spectator mode um so to speak like it's crazy and um but do you regret it it's i think it's hard to say i mean there were definitely moments probably in your life you say like oh that's amazing like the esl but that was the speech about it and I so, so many friends like for example i went on holidays with someone like uh, hunter and ethics basically like my, my former teammates as well together we just went on a holiday in barcelona while mm. i've not even like met ethics for example in real life beforehand but we've played so many matches um online basically together like versus we knew each other like for years before and, and those kind of like relationships they, they stay with you always and i'm still in contact what just happened here guys we gotta wait here we gotta wait off huh. i don't know a lot of people <laughs> A little like the BCL guys. So who <laughs> wants now for a legacy, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, guys, thank you so much for the big raid here. Thank you all. You all, I think you all the first time here. This is Gamersbook here. I'm Izzy the host, and we have two amazing guys here from former competitive esports player here, um, Vencera and Wheeler here. Guys, thank you so much all for joining. I hope you will enjoy the the rest of the talk. You basically joined little bit over the middle in here so you still have something to see <laughs> yeah oh damn <laughs> yeah i, I no, oh, yeah. I, i'm just like talking um because i just finished Crazy. the uh the lower bracket final yes, match please. like legacy versus nafu mm -hmm. and uh apparently like legacy actually came back and, and won against nafu it's kind of unexpected because i thought like nafu would be uh, a little bit of the favorites but like legacy is also like one of the one of the best teams brazilians so we're gonna meet them in the final next week actually I want this time. You sound really excited. I mean, I still see this little kid in you smiling. So I, I, I'm not sure if you really regret anything. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't have been here. You wouldn't be playing if you wouldn't have done all the work before. You know, it's like, it's, uh, it's a way of life. I think. Yeah. Right. It's funny that you're honest. You regret it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like regret is like a strong word, but uh, I really could have used the time in a different way. Absolutely agree. I mean, I regret it too. I like <laughs> <laughs> this was my first. This was this also was where I was laughing uh, like five minutes ago because uh, yeah, uh, if I could speak to myself, uh, what was it 2011? I mean, basically when I started Battlefield Three, I would say, hey, just don't. <laughs> uh, you're gonna have some great times, but. Potentially, you're going to invest a lot of time in a career that will ultimately not be the, the, the one you, you want. Uh, um, I think I needed it, though. I think I needed to have all this attention to to know to prove to myself that I could be a, a correct player. But in the end, uh, yeah, I think I would say to myself, uh, you know, just you know, play uh, conquest large, but don't play infantry. It's going to go to your head. And you're gonna end up uh, on Battlefield 4, uh, playing eight hours a day uh, and trying to do the, the, the jump uh, at every jump. So don't be that person.
yeah i think like what would be like the best way is uh what like a bunch of like other like old pros did like especially like the brazilians especially like they just switched games to like rainbow six siege to to overwatch to Bellot paladins like in PUBG right now we have like noises for example like an apex just signed by invictus uh victus gaming so a, a bunch of these like old battle uh, battlefield pro players switched games around the time when they realized the game was dying and the scene was dying and mm -hmm. they were able to make a career in a completely different game and like hugely successful at that yeah um, yeah i mean the brazilian guys they, they did like the best decision they could take i think they managed to foresee the potential of rainbow six which was not easy to do at the time because rainbow six started yeah. very slow and it was uh, overshadowed by um overwatch at, at the time mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so clearly right now rainbow six is the dominating game between uh, overwatch and rainbow six they, it uh, it succeeded the underdog managed to overtake uh, overwatch no pun intended but uh, at the time overwatch was the real uh like grad for most people i think the fnatic guys on uh, on um on Battlefield 4, they went on Overwatch. Most of the players I knew went on Overwatch. Mm -hmm. And this was a mid-grinder, really. Like, so many people were there, so many talented players from so many different games. And they were too many players and only a few selected spots in the big teams. And, uh, well, most of the stories that I've, I've heard about were, well, uh, people who said, hey, I give up. It's too, it's too complicated. Like, too many parameters. Uh, uh, it doesn't... Like even if they were very very good players individually, you had also the the social network required to go in the big team. You couldn't always go with your teammates because it was a, a different system, more like you new know, NBA and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, the Brazilian players definitely they had a great story, and I really envy them and admired what they did. But many players also well didn't didn't make it on Overwatch. That's true. I mean, you always only see like the, the winners, basically not the losers. And out of all the all pro players, there were a lot of that tried and failed in the end. But that's fine. Like not everyone can be the best and not everyone can succeed. What would you how many other games did you try competitively? Did you try Apex really? Or any anything else? At the start, uh, but I actually also like played PUBG uh, like on a you could say like semi-competitive level in 2018. Um, I played for like even like a Spanish organization here, uh, Wizards, and we played in um, like a bunch of like the ESL uh, like ESL Meisterschafts and Diamond Divisions and that kind of stuff. But in the end, that fell apart, and I didn't really um, yeah like put the time or like the energy in to pursue it even more. I had like some friends who really did become um, better. Like for example, even like the German like G2 lineup mm -hmm. later on, like Prexco and it's Chris, for example. There was definitely like chances, but uh, I think like the one of like the most important things to become like a pro player in any game is um, that you really like that game, that you can play it for like ends on. And if you're not able to play and like the game, you're never gonna be like the best in it. If you were just like in it for the money or something like that, no, you're gonna fail eventually. Yeah, sure. I, I didn't really try other games. Like okay, I tried on Overwatch though. Uh, with Florian, we had a semi-trolling team where we tried to be as good as possible to go in the official competitions, to be on stream, and to play in a stupid way. That was basically our motivation, and our name was the other team because we wanted the streamers to not be able to say our name. Uh, without confusing the whole audience, uh, but that that was my only um, like real competitive experience. Oh yeah, Battalion uh, also. You know, I don't know if you know the game. I tried a little bit, but the game died. So no, not a lot of stuff. 
But I think there is a specific difficulty at finding a new competitive game when you are already very used to a specific gameplay because you you're not a, 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 like a, a blank sheet anymore. You have a, a lot of mechanical habits. You're you have a specific way of playing, and to transfer it to a new game sometimes can hurt because you have to forget all your previous habits that may um, uh, disturb the, the the way you should play that that new game. Yeah, that's so true and a very important point. So even like right now, like with this new Battlefield, um, like many people might not be aware, it's like uh, buried like one of the FAQs at the bottom. Um, but like the new Battlefield will be basically built from the from the ground up. Um, it's like a new engine level. So a lot of like the mechanics uh, will work differently too. So people that are coming from, let's say like Battle 5, um, switching over to Battlefield 2042, they might realize it will play a bit different. Of course, it's still going to be Battlefield. But getting used to all these different mechanics and the different play style is going to be like a huge challenge for everyone uh, adjusting to that. And there can be people that are completely new to the Battlefield franchise who might perform better in a certain way because they can adjust easier. Yeah, Brad just yeah. said like even casting is hard to transition. And I totally get that. I mean, mm -hmm. like casting, you need to know the game to the core and talking about it and be, you know, self-confident about it. By the way, I'm trying to turn off the alert box right now. Can somebody just follow, unfollow quick? Then I see if it um, works. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. I didn't save. I didn't save. Sorry, shit. shit. Okay, do it again. Thank you. I think now it's... Okay, nobody is allowed to follow. <laughs> wow. I don't know, guys. I can't because it's too loud. They said I because there were too many people jumping in here and they couldn't hear anything. Don't follow anymore. Nobody's allowed to follow. No, don't do it. Oh, damn it. Um, why do I hear it now from your end, by the way? I didn't hear it before. It's weird. I don't know, guys. I can't fix it right now. It's too much for me. I, I want to focus on talking to these dudes. I hope you don't mind. Just don't fucking follow. Don't do it. <laughs> Damn it, man. I can't turn it off. I have too many. I have too many overlays and I don't know which one it is right now. To be honest, I, I just don't. I don't know how to turn it off. We just hope nobody's following right now. We just keep going and keep talking. Uh, yeah. be, be nice to be nice to me. <laughs> I don't have the problem normally. <laughs> Um, oh, um, about about the transfer, I just remember that yes, I think age is also a parameter. Like, I'm not sure what's going on in the brain. I have no experience on this topic, but pretty sure you have less ability to really learn uh, game mechanics from scratch if you are older, really. Like on Overwatch was also a very humbling experience because you had people who were like 16 who were mm -hmm. dominating. Uh, legends on other games, and I'm thinking about, for example, uh, Rafa was playing Overwatch, like a Quake legend, a Cooler, oh, yeah. also, which was like a Quake legend, and they, they, like Cooler for sure, ended up playing healer he mm. because he potentially was not used to these kind of specific mechanics, which were very different from Quake on many points, like the team-based mechanics. Uh, and so, yeah, I think you are less fresh and less able to really, you know, remember that you have to use this spell. Uh, exactly in this specific situation, you will you will be, I don't know. You, you have more thinking to do when you're older. You have to verbalize more what you need to do when you're older compared to when you're uh, younger. And things things just flow. I, I think. 
Yeah, but I would say that's even uh, like you could say like a human handicap in a certain way, because um, especially like young kids are uh, much more comfortable and it goes like very easier for them to like learn a new instrument, learn a new language and stuff like that. That's why um, people like in schools like try to uh, introduce like new languages even earlier and earlier, like even like in kindergarten, uh, some kids are learning English nowadays. So mm. it is pretty similar to like game mechanics and trying to really get into like the details and really like deep into like how like certain game works. Of course, if you are, if you're older, it might be like a little bit harder for you to, to master it, all, this, all, that, all that kind of stuff. You're simply not picking it up that easy. But at the same time, um, in terms of like age, I, I kind of disagree on that thought because I feel like the, the most important stuff is still the commitment basically that you can bring to the game. And especially what comes with older age is that you are simply obligated to have like kids, family, like a job, for example, you're simply not going to have as much time to grind when you're like maybe like 17, 18, like still in school or something. And you have so much more hours, so much more energy. Also the, to put yeah, energy and the headspace. Like, I feel like, yeah. you know, when you're getting older and you have like a job, you have kids around, um, you have so many more things to think about all over the day. Like then focusing on a game, like really only on one thing in the game is so much harder. Yeah, all these obligations and that it is mm -hmm. factory basically. You can't put your complete 100% focus on that kind of on that kind mm -hmm. of uh, game. And other like younger uh, people <laughs> will maybe um, take advantage of that. But at the same time, I feel like esports in, in the next coming years is reaching such like a high level where you could definitely see uh, professionals like still playing into like the late 30s or so, something like that. Yeah, it has actually true. been proving that um, even though like your reaction time might decrease a little bit, your experience and especially like game sense um, is on such a higher level that you can definitely still hang with like the young boy with the young boys. Maybe mm -hmm. not necessarily as like the highest regular or like the most impact player, but especially as somebody like an in-game leader, for example, in mm -hmm. games like CSGO. Yeah, absolutely. CSGO is a I think like I remember 10 years ago having this conversation with someone. We were we were like, how old can you get before you start having reflexes which are just too low to be uh you know competitive against other players? And now, as you said, Johannes on CSGO, we have many people who are over 30 and still competing in some of the best teams. They usually retire uh, around this age, but they, they are still often uh, above 30 people. I think someone mentioned Forrest. Uh, in the in the chat, you also have I think people who are in a in a currently top team, which Forrest is not uh, sadly for him. Um, and uh, so I think yeah, definitely there is a question of motivation uh, that you lose with, with age. But I suspect that CS:GO is is, is a specific game in that regard um, because experience in CS:GO may have so much um, maybe so important that being experienced as as a player. Uh, can you know compensate? Can just overtake uh, the your your uh, low reflexes in a game like Fortnite? If you watch the average age of professional players, it's in insanely. What's the average age on Fortnite? I, I read it's something like eighteen. But I may be wrong. Uh, yeah, around that probably. Yeah, it's very low, and some of the, and actually the best players are usually. I thought it was even more younger. Maybe I was actually question. surprised you said eighteen. Do you yeah, think? I, yeah, sorry. No, 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 please go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so yeah, I think that again, like Fortnite, for example, that requires maybe different skills, <laughs> like maybe more sword, intensity right? in the in the fights. Uh, may, uh, yeah, uh, have uh, basically may require you to be younger. Uh, 
it depends heavily on the game though um like of course like fortnite is like one of those examples where it is it attracts like a younger player base and you need to have like these like fast uh, reactions and also like decision making building and that kind of stuff while you compare it with um even like a mobile kind of uh, kind of title even though you still are relying on like certain like reactions and decision making i feel like it is not as important as like in a game like fortnite to make the difference and there are so many different esports titles and there, there might be like completely different ones and in a couple of years from now that we're gonna play even like the battle royale franchise came out uh, pretty recently that changed the landscape completely while um in games like PUBG, um as like the biggest or at least during during like uh, the beginning of it the biggest um you could win games like simply by playing smart and you did not even have to kill someone necessarily hmm. so that hmm. can really change too and like for a game like battlefield i'm pretty sure you could like play even like in the 40s for example i mean even right now i mean it's kind of like a joke but we have kalsagi in our team our tanker who who might very well be like the best tank in the world he could have definitely battled against aduzi in his prime and he's also i believe like over 30 right now there there are no um real limitations i think like in terms of age it's really about like the obligations and the time that you can put in mm -hmm. i mean everyone is different also right yeah of course it's it's like still hugely personal and of course you can definitely understand if someone simply does not want to play like video games when you're 30 and you have to think about like kids uh, alive and everything that comes after it and you're simply like burned out from from playing all this time too there's so many different scenarios. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's the same thing in tennis. I don't know. You know, we see Federer, Nadal, and uh, Djokovic performing at ages which were usually uh, not, I mean, uh, like they are 34, almost yeah. 40 for Federer, and they are performing better than most of the younger players. I mean, not for Nadal and Federer these days, but they were like two years ago. Um, so, yeah, but in their case, I think everybody's, every, everything is taken in charge. They are, they are so rich, I guess, that they don't have to care so much about, uh, or they don't have to work, I mean, outside of their uh, uh, of their main activity, which is tennis. So maybe that's why we see people perform at, uh, you know, older uh, than, than before. Yeah, that's a good example. And they had like different sports that you can com uh, compare it with too. Like chess, for example, um, of course, something like reaction time is not that important. But um, there are people, basically grandmasters and like the top players that can be based like 80 years old and they can still hang with, with like the young people, even though there's like a generational like shift, especially like in the recent years, where more and more like younger people are coming up. And if you like a chess poetry, uh, kind of similar in actually like in Formula One too. Just a couple of years ago, <laughs> like the average age of like a Formula One driver was also like about like something like 30, I believe even. And you really needed those kind of like reactions in, in Formula One. And right now, like in the recent years, it changed way more to like the younger side of things and more like rookies are coming into the sport that are starting their Formula One career with like 18 years old and the mm -hmm. average age drops too much. But there's still like numerous examples of uh, different sports, and different people being able to perform on the highest level, um, even like in, in older age, you could say. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested right now in because I mean, it's all about like Lucky Bunny said as well, like it's also all about like and uh, being energetic and hyper. And if you're younger, you're more like this. When you were, you had your best days and competing. Okay, if you remember back, did you do anything else besides gaming 
to get this level of high competing? Like, did you do sports? I don't know, meditation or playing music, whatever it is. Was there anything else you did outside of the gaming world to improve your gaming skills? Uh, not on purpose. We were not, I, mean, I don't know for you, Anis, but I, didn't, I never had a like, coach like they have now in the big teams. Uh, so uh, everything I was doing was basically luck uh, if it had an impact on video games. Uh, I did play tennis uh, when I um, until 2014, and I think uh, it made me a better player because when I stopped tennis, uh, so in 2015, ah, tennis, you said tennis, right? Tennis, sorry. Okay. Um, no, it's... I I think I dropped in level. Like I was less fit, and it made me, I don't know, I was less able to hold the pressure over long uh, long periods. Uh, so potentially it had an, an impact. Uh, you would need to talk to the actual. Uh, coaches on, of Astralis and stuff because they know exactly what's good for the players. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, in my case, just tennis. Yeah, I mean, in my case, it's pretty similar. I did not do anything specifically to like improve my gaming performance. Um, but I definitely know that even like exercise can have like huge benefits for like your brain and your like your endurance, for example, even so in, in recent years in like other like pro like esports titles, um, there are definitely uh, fitness coaches, for example, and teams and players are being encouraged to, to go to the gym, to improve their fitness level, to be healthy, to eat healthy, because it all plays a role. Um, I was just about to sleep. say, what, what else would you say is important to improve your skills, like eating healthy? I mean, we all know now there's energy food for your brain, right? So why not try? And Okay, okay. Let me Let me talk about something maybe a little bit I hope nobody will kill me now in chat for doing that. But <laughs> all we see right now is, you know, players, you know, get, um, uh, damn it, my brain, <sighs> to to drinking a lot of energy drinks and have, uh, get all these sponsorships by energy drink, you know, um, companies. Do you think that's healthy? Like, I mean, long term? You mean, I mean drinking them also? Yeah, I mean, also like advertising to drink a lot of them, like out of the G food, out of their minds. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I just can't, I, I'm not sure. I mean, young people are watching this, right? And like 59, whatever. And I, I don't think it's healthy for them to start in a very young age to, you know, drink a lot of energy drinks and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, mean, I, I fully agree. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know for you, Jonas, but we were forced to put some companies on the table sometimes uh, in terms of, of drinks. And they were not the kind of drinks we would have if we wanted to perform in video games. Uh, uh, unrelated, but uh, I personally can't play correctly if I drink Red Bull. But it depends on, on people. Some people can. Uh, uh, in my case, coffee focuses me. Red Bull um, makes me shake. Like my hands are sweaty, I can't aim anymore. Um, same, same. And yeah, and I, I was so yeah, definitely I I agree that these things are being advertised for doing things that they don't do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say it depends like usually on the person individually. Um, it's like about the caffeine, for example, specifically some like simply need caffeine, like even like a coffee, uh, coffee in the morning to, to wake up. That's pretty normal nowadays. But in comparison, like for, for gamers, if you grind into like late <laughs> in the night. Yeah, exactly. My coffee. If, I just as, made as a, a coffee gamer, before the stream. I feel bad now. <laughs> nah, it's, they don't. It's, it's all good. Like coffee, especially like it's different. Um, it, it is basically accepted 
in society a lot more, even though it's still a drug, it's, it's caffeine in the end. But if you take it as like a coffee form, like Red Bull as a gamer, it doesn't really matter if you just need a pick me up, if you're playing until late in the night and you like want to grind like the next matchmaking games or whatever you want to do. There's so many people that uh, like kind of need it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like nowadays, there are uh, so many more like supplements basically. And I believe like nootropics is the right word. They can have uh, like certain like kind of like uh, supplements that are supposed to like help you stay more focused on gaming and improve like your gaming performance. And it, it is getting quite big, um, especially like we see. Of uh, course, because the market like, is so rising. big. And, and yeah, exactly. I, and I mean, I mean, it's it's not at all a bad thing. I'm just thinking if you especially if you watch now big streamers, how much um, and, and content creators, I think they all should be also take responsibility about the products they're actually, you know, standing for. And it, it, it just because there is lots of young people and folks are watching that. And if you have if everyone is just going for, I mean, representation stuff, I don't know how healthy that is. That's all I'm saying. I'm yeah, I mean, sure. of, of course, it's it's not that healthy, but at the same time, it can, uh, depending on the on the player, it can help your gaming performance. Mm-hmm. And talking about basically like the stream advertisements, it is uh, kind of similar to like all the gambling uh, ad, uh, advertisements that we had a couple of years ago, and might still like on, on some kind of streams. Of course, that might not be ethical, but at the same blood time, blood of your enemies. Um, what do you mean, blood of your enemies, Kevin? Kevin Aria, I'm not sure what he means. I can't play when I'm hungry. I can't play when I'm hungry as well. So we have it. We have food. We talked about food. Let's switch the topics. <laughs> no, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry. We are getting hungry here. Sorry, Damien. Yes, please. I know that like food is a sensitive topic, but I, I really wonder which, how many esports players who are sponsored by, for example, Red Bull, do drink Red Bull before uh, matches. Uh, I, I like. I think like hmm. the, 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 maybe like the point is. Red Bull is advertised as something that will be good for anyone who just wants energy or performance in video games. But I personally, maybe it's just because I'm in a bubble and people I was speaking with were not fond of Red Bull, but all the, like, like I don't say like 90% of the best players I know were not drinking Red Bull. They were just, you know, putting that away and taking their coffee or taking nothing or taking, I don't know, maybe a different supplement, but not, uh, not this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a sponsorship at the end of the day, and especially when you play on like an esports, like on pro player level, you might not, um, you might not have a choice to accept what kind of like sponsors like your team gets, for example, or like a tournament. And if there's like Red Bull standing like on on the stage, um, you, you don't have to drink it or something like that. But it helps to uh, to improve like the tournament prize pool or like your own like salary on like a pro level. And that kind of stuff is uh, is needed. Like sponsorships and deals are of happening course. all across like football. Of course. And, we live in a in a world where things are not uh, uh, white or black. Oh, but I yeah, that's true. L- let's say that when you are sponsored by um, a mouse company, you are forced to use their mouse. So you are in a way enacting by your uh, performance that their mouse is not complete trash. Uh, because if I get sponsored by Logitech, I will have to use the Logitech. They have good mouse, uh, so I will perform properly. Uh, if you are sponsored by Red Bull, you don't have to drink the Red Bull. Th- th- that's my. Uh, that's a slight difference that I don't like in this kind of sponsors is that you, do, you need to have the Red Bull next to you uh, while you don't have to have a mouse from Logitech next to you and play with a Razer, for example. You have to play yeah. with the mouse. So that's why I think it's a little bit tricky in the case of uh, Red Bull and uh, these kind of sponsorships. Yeah, I understand. Also, in the end, because what you said before is like it's um, it's not like in, in esports you get paid a lot you know in many games right 
So you probably can be happy to have a sponsorships um, depending on what game and team you're playing with. Um, yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, let's see. Well, let me let me quick. I mean, we had so many questions now in between, which I think was very interesting. Um, did you? I was I was wondering, like, when you were training sessions, we had the the topic training sessions before. Were you specifically training your weaknesses, or were you just saying like, um, I'm just focusing on what I'm good at? Or were you also like, also, yeah, like you as a team captain, Johannes, were you like looking where your players were sometimes not good at and then trying to get them to train these weaknesses or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, the best practice you can get is uh, about like improving your mistakes or like the things that you are not as good as like the other things. So it's important to identify like your issues and then target the specific things that you actually want to improve on that can be pretty difficult to do depending on the game. So mm -hmm. especially like in Battlefield, um, we cannot uh, be like a football player, for example, like football players are not really playing uh, matches at all against like other teams They practice like individually or like as a team, like they're like on fitness and stuff like that, which you can still do, like you can still improve like your individual level in Battlefield 2. But the way it has been done in most cases is simply playing uh, PCWs, like practice clan wars, like scrims against other matches, against other teams, I mean. And therefore, basically, uh, basically have a, like a scenario of a, like a match and like trying to play it out and see what you can do there and improve in that way. So it is very hard to target specific things that you want to improve on. Uh, I can bring up an example though. When we played incursions uh, in the tank uh, with the tank in five five, um, we specifically like wanted to improve, like also like playing with the auto tank because some people were uh, complaining that it was too strong and we were only like winning because of the tank. So I always like wanted to play uh, like PCW, for example, without the tank at all to see how we would do there. And even like an 8v8, um, what I'm currently playing in Battle 4, when you when you practice against like a lower level team, you can give yourself now a handicap. Um, like for example, let the enemy team cap all the flags and then like try to get out of spawn, get out of like that position and how you would like practice specific scenarios that would happen in a match that would really benefit you. Like stonewalling, um, or just like simply like running over a team completely is not like the ideal practice but it's very hard to really put like your most or like to really get the most of your time and focus on specific things yeah i think that's the main problem right i mean very often we are in these situations where you're like you know ran over the other team and it's not really equal right and then it, it's it's getting boring you don't know how to well train really or yeah. do something yeah, I, I agree that uh, in Battlefield we were not especially equipped also to train our specific weaknesses uh, in terms of uh, skills, of mechanical skills. Uh, we didn't have all the, you know, all the tools that they may have in other games. Uh, but right now, these days, I feel like more and more players are developing a culture of, you know, using external tools to be better aimers, for example. I don't know if you follow all the Kovac uh, aiming scene. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah. Maps. Let's let's yeah, talk about this maps. because I want to know more. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I think it's a, like a really big change in in, a, in the, the, the culture surrounding uh, FPS games. Uh, I don't know if you know the guy called Aimer7. I think it's French. Uh, yep. I think this guy single-handedly, I think, changed the, the, uh, the way many people perceived uh, video games. He, he was the first to really try to like abstract, abstract uh, 
gaming situations from the from the game itself and to reproduce them on um, I mean to, trans to transfer them on uh, Kovac for example you will have this specific situation when you are picking and uh, you have this mouse movement to do and you will uh, you will you know uh, be able to to say hey okay on, on Kovac this should be done that way so you only train the specific situation uh, so the next time you encounter it in the game uh, you you know how to react and that's a very in, that was a very unusual thing to do um, until uh, a few years ago. You, you, you would usually, you know, play the game, uh, sometimes play deathmatch, but you will not verbalize, you will not, um, you know, th theorize uh, these micro situations. Um, and um, he did that also with angles. I think he has like a whole art article um, about what's the optimal way to position yourself compared to another player. He was trying to apply some... Uh, well, exactly. I think yeah, yeah. I think he has a PhD in physics, so he he, he really uh, tried to do it mathematically, um, and that's new. I'm not I'm not saying I fully agree with this this vision, but that's really like a, a new phenomena. And uh, um, before that, like the people like um, like old school players, like for example. Uh, uh, Zaiwu is in this case our Olaf Meister, uh, also one of the best players of CS:GO at one time. They never play. Uh, uh, deathmatch. They never play anything but the, the actual matches. Like Zewu was actually warming up for his uh, matches by playing uh, pro league, uh, not pro league, um, by, by basically by going directly uh, in, a, in, a, in a match, in a real match. He would not separate, they would not be training versus a uh, real match. Uh, I think the whole point was he was never using training software, right? Like his aiming habits are formally purely from actual matches. Yeah. And he never, never, never from 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 anything like training software, right? Yeah, training software is a thing, but that's not so unusual on CS:GO. Many people don't use training software on CS:GO because it's uh, not. That do you think thing that? Based. Yeah, but I was I was about actually to ask. Do you think that will be changing? Because I see it more and more often. Like I mean, like the you know Team EXO, for example. I think most of them are using that, right? It is, it is depending on the game. And for example, in CSGO, you have um, like your own workshop maps, for example. You can have your own aim trainers in the game itself. And that's what people have been using up to the point where yeah. like uh, all these like aim trainers came out in the first place. So you were able to have all these scenarios in the game itself. And because you have the um, combination of like, for example, like recoil control, and, like the spread, like you know, like how the weapons shoot, you have all these different maps and scenarios that you can practice in the game specifically. Mm -hmm that is uh, quite different than like in CSGO compared to like other games, but especially for games that do not have uh, like an own actually like practice meta in the game, it is hugely beneficial to play something like an aim trainer because like Vela explained earlier, you take uh, specific scenarios out of the game, like flicking, for example, like tracking, uh, you take them out, you put them in an aim trainer and you can practice those in a much more efficient way. That's why you can get uh, like same, you can practice the same scenario like a hundred times compared to if you would play like a normal match and that kind of like focus and training like your muscles yeah. your muscle memory and your mouse is insanely helpful like for, for all gamers and even like in csgo mm -hmm. i know that uh, a bunch of them are using it mm -hmm. they okay. take like a combination of it of course they, they, they play like aim trainers they play like death match against like other players because like the movement for example is also like a big part obviously there are so many more factors, but to take out the specific aim element, it is insanely helpful to to practice that in aim trainers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, 
when it's done the right way, it's, it, it's useful. Uh, you can also fuck up your aim if you do the wrong exercises because you're going to uh, obtain habits which are the wrong one and you're going to actually uh, like not even waste your, your time, but actually uh, get habits which will par parasite your uh, actual uh, gameplay when you play. So if it's done the right way, it's, uh, it's op often optimal. Uh, I, I would agree with that. Uh, do you yeah. think do you think a battlefield like real training tools like battlefield internal training tools are missing for comp for competitive scene if there were competitive scene? <laughs> I mean they're missing because you could have those like kind of training tools in every single game. Um, mm -hmm. I think like Battalion for example also uh, brought like an own like movement practice map or something where you can like practice like long jumps and that kind of stuff. Um, of course, it will be helpful in Battlefield 2 to have like a firing range that we did in like Battle 4, for example, also like in Battle 5, where you can like simply practice like your weapon recall, you can try different stuff out, and of course, like also like work on your aim. That mm -hmm. will be um, definitely like beneficial to, uh, to a bunch of players too. The question is if it's really going to be worth the development time and uh, compared to like the players that will actually actively use it. Yeah, since you have so many external softwares this day, if, if you don't really do a good uh, practice range, it may not be worth the time, as uh, as you're saying. No. You both have only played on PC, is that right? Yes. Never had anything but a PC. Uh, yeah. Well, what do you think about um, Battlefield 2042 is now moving to crossplay, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and let's say we will get a competitive scene and we would get a competitive scene even i mean what will it open with crossplay would you be looking forward to see a crossplay competitive scene what would be your 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 do's and don'ts basically like where do you see the problems but where do you see also the benefits maybe on this issue no i've never ever thought about that about the crossplay well, now's the time <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can go first and maybe you have like some, some more insights. Uh, Sorry, man. I, <laughs> that was good. I mean, I, at first, mm. definitely it will be like a huge improvement, like crossplay, especially like competitions will um, combine like all the viewerships, for example, all the player bases. So we can basically already like triple the number of players, um, not only like in public servers, but also like in the competitions. But the, the biggest problem is uh, about like balancing it correctly to have like a fair, um, yeah gameplay between like pc players and like just like different platforms there are like certain advantages that uh, like all platforms can give you and we can see and especially like apex legends is a pretty good example um how con uh, con uh, console um, controller players can hang with like even like the best pc players there is an extreme amount of aim assist in apex you, you gotta say honestly but at the same time um, the game is designed in a certain way that balances it out that uh, controller players, even like in terms of like movement, can definitely hang with PC players. Did you so, tell me that? Who told me that? Giannis, you were that, right? You told yeah, me in Apex? Yeah, in Apex, for example, there are some players in like high competitions that are switching to controllers in close quarter fights because like the aim tracking is so much better that you can like even, as like the, the best aimers in the world on a mouse with, uh, with a PC cannot win against controller players in close quarters because like the aim assist is that strong so some they're players... switching mid-match that's yeah, crazy when i hear that that's switching. like that's like i know and that they I, I like that i don't know i feel like it's uh, i don't know it's the future of esports in a way like i just want to know the first person who had this idea of i'm gonna switch mid-match that's that's crazy 
there are a couple and uh i believe like nicewick was even like the first one in clg back in the day in apex who was like a pro controller player and who was able to hang with with all the pc players um but it's just like the adjustments of like really like how do you tune aim assist the right way that it's not overpowered but at the same time you still give controller players a chance and there will always be advantages of uh, like a motion keyboard for example but at the same time to include the the console players and the controller players you need to give them some kind of uh, yeah help basically yeah as you say like the, that the person or the, the the authority taking the decision of which degree the the a message should be tuned will always be in trouble because you have yeah. no objective way to really tune it uh, like if you take the average performance of console players versus pc players then you may have the question uh should you really try to level out any potential difference between these two sides with aim assist or uh, should you leave an, an edge to, uh, to to pc players uh, yeah i think it's uh, you end up with very tricky questions and with one side being potentially disadvantaged over the other so i i'm not so sure that crossplay is the is the future the right way to go hmm. yeah i think for, fortnite is doing that also right i heard that fortnite is basically uh, for the official competitions, you play whatever you want, uh, and people end up often playing on the, with a with a mouse. But I'm not sure. I just heard that. Yeah, I mean, I guess especially like for like all the building stuff, uh, mouse keyboard is uh, advantage there. It is depending on on each game, and uh, I'm reading in the chat right now. Of course, like PC will always be basically like on the pinnacle in terms of like the the esports um, competition because you simply have. Um, basically a much higher level of, of skill that you can transfer to the game simply because you're limited too much by the hardware by the controller itself you will never be as accurate uh, with a controller than like a mouse and keyboard unless you have like some kind of like help or like assistance with that controller i, I know like a lot of controller players also like in battlefield um are saying like they're playing without aim assist at all and they can definitely still aim and kill people no problem and they would love to play against like pc players and, and show their skill but at the same time um there are so many dis differences that especially like on, on a, like esports on the top level it's not only about like the controller <laughs> itself but also like in terms of like fps so in apex for example all the pros are still playing with the pc but then with the controller connected so the difference is going to be if there's going to be even like more differences um compared to like the battlefield 2042 players that are playing on, on a console with the controller versus um pc players or like basically controller players on a pc there are so many more elements to it and like once again like fine-tuning of it and the mechanics let's see what we can all do in in the new battlefield and there might be like certain like movement tricks or certain things that might be advantageous for like one side versus the other and like balance, balancing that all and especially in a, in a competition setting will be hugely difficult so I'm, I'm really looking forward how the developers are solving that push, uh, problem though because a lot of people are either saying i will have like a crossplay always uh, disabled I don't want that kind of stuff and the next important but um, this also is because of the cheating problem exactly that's that's just what i wanted to say right the, the next mean... important will be like the cheaters yeah. and console players um have an advantage mm. in the way that most okay. cheats are developed Honor... for pc difficult difficult what 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 no, I was, I was just awesome. kidding about the, the fact that indeed the yeah. pc oh, okay. <laughs> players are i mean the cheaters are on pc oh okay um on a one to one to ten scale, um, do you think they get the cheating under control in Battlefield 20, 2042? 
can, can you define under control? Well, if you compare it to Battlefield Five, let's make it easy. I'll tell you one. Uh, I mean, basically, I, I don't, I don't have any clues about what they are doing with the anti-cheats or anything. I don't have any, any internal information. Mm -hmm. But what I know is that the more you go, uh, the, the more, like, basically, hackers are getting better at hacking. Uh, this is just how it how it goes, and it's getting much more complicated to find ways to mm -hmm. counter them. I, I think. Uh, I don't personally think there is a. I've not personally been in a situation where I was harassed by hackers or anything. Really, I, I've not witnessed myself the the hacking, uh, like the cheating epidemic uh, epidemic uh, that many people are 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 talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I think the. I think like hackers are winning the war a little bit uh, these days, though. Um, I don't know. I I mean, that's another point. To, I, I'm pretty sure Johannes can't say anything about my question. <laughs> he's kind of I mean, uh, he's kind of I can't talk. <laughs> I, I I can say some kind of stuff. Um, like of okay, course, say like some in, in kind general, of stuff. Say some, some kind of stuff. Some stuff. <laughs> um, th there will always be a battle between like cheaters and hackers, and especially like the developers. Um, against like the anti-cheat developers that will be like a battle that will continue like in the next couple of years and there are some kind of games like Valorant that are trying to circumvent that with like kernel level access that are really like trying to um, put much more emphasis on that kind of like anti-cheat and doing everything they can to to stop that but in the end of the day unfortunately um, you will never be like fully able to stop it there will always be some kind of like tricks and it's always like a cat and mouse game like the developers yeah, but isn't the main problem the that they stole their their the 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 base game basically the hackers? Isn't that um, the main issue right uh, now, or am I wrong? Are you talking about like the the, the uh, data leak basically the, the, hack? the engine yeah. thing? There has been some kind of code stolen basically. Yes, that is true. But mm -hmm. at the same time, um, the base code. Yeah, the base code of Battlefield no, 2042. No, it is. Oh no, Missy. <laughs> I think you're, yeah, this is annoyed. <laughs> yeah, this conversation I, 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 many, many times. No, like I kind of, but at the same time, I simply cannot talk much about it, and there's simply not much public information about that at all. Yes, there has been a hack, that is true, um, but at the same time, I wouldn't worry too much that it's really going to affect um, like all the games, and there's so much. Um, more like clickbaiting articles being written. Oh my God, there's, there's gonna be cheats already like a new battlefield <laughs> confirmed, all that kind of stuff. Um, what, what, I, what I can say is that, of course it's important mm. for, for DICE and I'm sure like a personal opinion, I'm, I'm sure they're learning from uh, like the experience with Battlefield 5 that they're putting more emphasis on um, countering cheaters. It will always be a problem and for like every game developer, they will realize that and I'm, I'm sure they're gonna do their very best to uh, to basically bring more functions to bringing cheaters to justice or like stopping them uh, in the first place. Okay, here's another thing because I saw it in chat and I heard that before a lot. Like there's always the option now we have portals so we can get rid of cheaters if we have them on our servers. How do you... Yep. Okay, I see the point, but I see also the point that we are so used of calling everyone who is a good player a cheater. Like if I would see Damien play I would assume he's a cheater just because he's crazy good at this game, okay? So and this is what people like to do. Like they like to make, you know, because they're losing to somebody who is better, they say like you're a cheater. 
So don't you th see their problem as 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 good players as you are, that we find ourselves in these private servers on Portal and we get like banned for just being good. That is a very big um, issue, of course, and especially like Battle Four players can tell so many stories about bad uh, bad admins that are that are getting kicked for like really stupid reasons, simply being too good, uh, or like it's a, like a certain like noob server. You have plugins in Battle Four that you cannot join a server if you have like a KD over like one even. So um, in, in Portal, admins will definitely have like the last say who can play on the server and who cannot. That is something that each like server owner can decide. But at the same time, um, it's only very specific for like their own server. And mm -hmm. at the moment, it's only confirmed that you can only host one server per, per player. You don't mm -hmm. actually need to own Battlefield 2042, to be fair, to create like a portal server. But at the same time, currently, it's only designed that you can only host like one server. And you can only have like one ban list on that. So mm -hmm. of course, you, you have to control it. You have, um, you have the power to, to ban players for whatever you re reason you want but at the same time this is limited limited to portal in a sense where like all the public like battlefield 2042 servers are not affected by it and there will definitely be ways to play this game without being kicked from every server you join yeah i, re I agree that big bandits are useful and at the same time they can uh, have terrible consequences for good players because they are banned by someone who is angry and they end up being banned on the server where the admin is actually good uh but i, I think no matter the game, no matter well any parameter, the if the community is, I mean, I think someone interested in the chat actually. If the player base is large, uh, you can get banned by anyone. It's fine because you will still find a place on which to play where they they support skilled players. Uh, he, uh, he said in the chat, uh, and I think. On Battlefield 4 right now, if you play, you have... Basically, I tried to play like uh, two months ago and I had a week, of the, I think, of fun. Then I had no servers uh, anymore on which to play. Um, and uh, it wasn't the, the case like uh, six years ago because I will always find that server on which um, people were really good and they were encouraged to be on, on this server. I mean, I'm actually exaggerating. I had a few servers like this still on Battlefield 4, but... <laughs> I wasn't good enough to actually have fun <laughs> because I wasn't uh, public stumping anymore. Uh, but just uh, that's something you have to accept. Also, like if you get banned from some servers in a legitimate way, which is that these servers are here for players to learn the game, that's fine. Then you have to accept to play against people who are also good at the game, and you won't also mm. uh, really enjoy it, uh, or you won't have this e ego trip you may have on against bad players. Um, so yeah, I'm not really mm. afraid of all the powers given to admins. I'm just afraid about the the size of the of the community. Yeah, but with a bigger size, especially including crossplay, there will be even more servers, even more players, and I'm pretty sure this game will be uh, supported in that way for like a couple of years to come. So you can definitely always find different servers to play on, and there's not not gonna be like a universe like kind of like ban list uh, with like plugins that are common in Battle Four that are banning you like straight out because like you have like a certain like high KPM weapon or something like that. There will definitely like be options to play and i'm pretty sure dice is aware of the problem that they don't want to limit good players or players that are playing in a specific way to prohibit them in some kind of form like everyone has a place and everyone can create their own experience quite literally and if you're not happy uh, with like some server rules you can create your own server and there will definitely be servers that um, like focus on gathering more towards like competitive players or like simply higher skilled players they got you <laughs>
a, a couple of years. I only said a couple of years. I didn't specify. <clears throat> um, does Battlefield 2042 needs a battle royale to be successful as a game? You're smiling again. I love it. Every time you're smiling that way. <laughs> I mean, I, I can answer like that. The, the battle royale scene um, has been. I'm not. Popular. I'm not asking if it if it's coming. I'm just saying, do you think it needs to be coming so it can be successful? Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. Um, because okay. like the battle royale scene has been quite popular, and especially like true PUBG, a lot of different kind of games like try to pick it up. Like most notably in EA, of course, like Apex Legends. But at the same time, we had a battle royale game called Firestorm and, and Battle Five, and they really like tried to implement that, <laughs> even though it didn't really work out in the end. And there were some kind of like problems with it, undeniable. They didn't even like end up fixing like looting system, for example. Um, battle royale, in my opinion, can definitely really like work for Battlefield. I said that back when like Firestorm was announced. Because compared to like PUBG, Battlefield has experience with having like so many players on like large scale maps to play all together. You have all these like different weapons. You have attachments in Battle 4, for example. Um, like Battle Royale system makes sense for Battlefield, in my opinion. If it's really needed, though, that is the question. And uh, there's quite a lot of more content coming, of course, with Battlefield 2042 and like during like the life cycle. Uh, and especially like also like with Portal, you can build your own game mods. So maybe someone is going to be able to, to build a Battle Royale mode themselves. No problem. Well, so far, what, what we know, we, we can't, right? But yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, with, with like all the options to build your own game mode, possible. It's just I personally don't think that you can quite <laughs> get it right uh, on a level like some like PUBG, like it's proper like Battle Royale mode. Because mm. you still have like the underlying um, game modes that you need to base it on, and uh, what we also like talked about earlier, that you cannot actually adjust the map at all in, in Battlefield 2042. You have no, like no map editor. Mm -hmm. You can adjust the game mode in certain ways, and there will definitely be more options to introduce like feedback to like ripple effect. The uh, former Dice LA studio that is that is working on Portal, if the community wants specific features. If the community wants a battle royale mode or the options to build one, they can give that feedback, and there's a pretty good chance that the developer developers will actually get it into the game. Mm -hmm. So, sounds exciting. Yeah, sounds exciting. What do you think, Damien? Did you even try to play battle royale in any way on any game and enjoy it? No, I don't especially. Have I, I was thinking about like you never uh, played it really, right? I'm leaving this to the person who enjoy Battle Royale. Uh, <laughs> like, I have a very old school perception of video games, which is that when you're good, you're supposed to win. And Battle Royales have a much more long-term uh, relationship to winning. If you do everything right, you may still lose. Basically, you have more variance. Uh, it's like poker, uh, not like poker exactly, but uh, you have something that's a bit closer to poker than to traditional uh, five versus five uh, competitive ga uh, games. Uh, if you like, if you watch top players on Battle Royale, of course they have a winning a win rate which is pretty high, but they may do everything right. They may, they will still get killed uh, by some guy in the bush. Uh, it happens. Maybe not at Fortnite, but on PUBG it happened. On Battlefield uh, um, Firestorm it, it happened. Um, so I tend to be very frustrated in the Battle Royals because I am not in control uh, enough to to have fun. But I agree with you, Anes, about the fact that yeah, uh, if if there is a battle royale, um, the next uh, game that could work, 
especially since if I understood correctly, the size of the maps are bigger. Mm -hmm. so. Much yeah. bigger. And designed okay. like 128 players already, so mm. you could definitely make battle royale work too. Okay, this was not public information, Jonas. By the way, you just uh... nice try. <laughs> of course, it is. <laughs> we are trying to get more out of here. Yeah, I think we need drinks. We need moonshine. <laughs> but, yeah. Some alcohol. Oh, some alcohol. Then I might spill some secrets. Huh? The that is your plan. <laughs> But yeah, like to, to comment on, on Damien's thoughts, uh, process right here, I, I completely agree in that sense. And I had the same um, base like mindset before like PUBG came out or like before I was like playing it myself. I thought like the randomness factor alone is playing such a big difference that this game can never really be competitive because so much stuff, like so much random stuff can completely like turn a game around. And even though like you might be like the absolute best player in a match, you can very well lose. And that doesn't really function with being competitive. Right. But the big thing about that, which changes it all is uh, playing multiple games and <laughs> by playing something like the PL League um, that it like that Aduzi by, by the way got second uh, something the PL season two um, or I believe he even won one I'm not sure uh, but the point is they played about like 190 games I believe like in total about like many weeks and because you play uh, I mean it doesn't have to be that many you can simply play let's say like 20 games 20 matches and because you increase the size, uh, it is not so much about like the randomness factor anymore. It's about consistency. It's about being like the consistent team in the in the best position to like win games, to play high, and get the most kills. And if you do that on a consistent uh, basic, you have a much more um, even like competitive baseline. In like usual uh, esports matches, like no matter if it's like Battlefield, LOL, Dota, CS:GO, whatever, there can be upsets. Uh, where like a, a lower level team would win against a favorite that can definitely happen but if you would have them play like 20 times against each other the favorite will basically 99 99% of the time will always win if you put like more um more matches basically in that kind of uh, in that sense yeah absolutely i mean even repetition is i think the core of a healthy competitive scene if you have enough uh, repetition of the important events of the game you will see the best players win at the end uh, and yeah as you said uh, bo1 uh, on any game is a terrible experience i think even on csgo or any yeah. game on which you have like clo a close level between two teams and on which the variance is still there at, at on some levels uh should not have bo1 uh, and we have sadly to we we, we resort to this um uh to this because sometimes there is not enough money or enough time uh but uh yeah they, they on, on pubg they managed to do something that i didn't think was possible either Johannes, as you said which was to have many like multiple matches played uh in a row yeah i mean that's the way it has to go with like battle royales and apex and like i believe like pretty sure like every battle royale is doing it the same way that you simply need um so like certain number of games as a minimum as a baseline um, to declare a winner because yeah you can have like a game where you get unlucky and you go at last place but then if you come back the next couple of matches and you perform well you win you like place very very high that might still make you the overall winner and that yeah. is important yeah. like the so more matches you play the higher uh, the chances are that the favorite is going to win mm -hmm. Uh, there was one question in the chat. I don't even know for you, Johannes, if you can answer it or you want to answer it um, from General Moose. What happened with the Battlefield 5 competitive mode, 5 
for this five competitive mode? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, of course, like the development of Battle 5, there were quite some issues that it got delayed and um, they had some struggles that, uh, like, not talking about like cheaters alone, but mm -hmm. the maps, for example, stuff being delayed and the community, like, simply weren't really happy about the state of the game. While there were still a bunch of developers focused on uh, creating a competitive 5 5 game mode. And like DICE actually put like a lot of resources into it, especially like since the end of like Battle 1 incursions, where they basically scrapped um, all the resources for incursions and moved to Battle 5 to work on that kind of game. Um, but instead, Battle 5 as a like base game was in the leadership team, like simply decided um, we, we can't really afford to put much more, much more emphasis on developing a 5 5 mode while uh, our main or core community was screaming like for other changes and uh, for like other problems in, in battle five so in the end they made the decision to, to scrap it and at least like used uh, the maps what was it like lofoten island and um, um uh, what was the other like, one? Oh, Provence, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. that they implemented those as like free maps for for all players mm -hmm. uh -huh. i knew that I mean, Maybe you can speak some more about that too. I mean, you might have some uh, insider information too about yeah, five, 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 five cents. I, I think it's like really NDA. Like, I don't want to say stuff that I'm not supposed yeah. to say. Uh, like, this is, I, I was involved a little bit, uh, not directly, but by speaking with a lot of people who were working on that. So I don't want to, you know, use their words uh, in, a, in a context that they don't, um, haven't um, agreed to. Uh, but basically, I have to, yeah, yeah, it's basically that, yeah. Hmm. It's sad, but unfortunately, I, I gotta agree. It's kind of understandable that they went that, that decision, and uh, even though they stopped um, the development and like patches of Battle Five pretty early on, uh, you can in turn see them putting more emphasis on making sure this game, Battlefield Twenty Forty Two, will be even better and will have more time to develop. And in the end, we will yeah, see but, if that was worth it. But they they need to continue the live service this time as well. I think, right? Like they need to go full in. Like if something is not working out, they need to stick and give it a chance and do something. Like for example, bringing a battle royale like on Battlefield Five Firestorm and then never bringing any patches for it. Um, I don't think their the core community would um, would stick with that game if they do it again, right? Do you hope? Like, do you mm -hmm. think they bring a live service this time and continue bringing it? I, I mean, they will bring a live announced. service, yeah. But yeah. I mean. Do you think they will um, they will go through with it this time, like fully, and go full in and all in? I mean, of course, I believe that. But at the end of the day, I can't really answer that, and I guess like no one really can yeah, at the moment. It it really stupid. depends how how the game will will do and mm -hmm. uh, how the community will see it uh, in terms of like the resources at EA and Dice and the leadership decisions. They make those kind of calls. Yeah. I'm getting tired. My questions are not getting better right now. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I'm, I really think we, we are about to hit the end. I really just can't focus anymore. If you guys have any questions in the chat, um, I'm always give like a 10 to 15 minute limit warning here. So this is my warning. You have to bring your questions now. Um, also, bloody do me a favor and put their links again in the chat. Um, what what is what, what is next for Wheeler and Vencer? Well, you 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 said you will uh, switch, uh, Johannes. You will switch your your name, right? You will switch a little bit and work on your profile. 
right? <laughs> what on my on my profile? So, it's a big I mean, change like, for you, Yunus. Big like change. Big, life big change. change. The big life change. Ah. I mean, uh, let, let's see. Maybe some people will not be familiar with that guy, like Ventura, killing them in Battlefield 2042, and they will complain. And then I will have to educate them. Hey, I'm actually that guy. We might have played against each other a couple of years ago. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see. All right. What about you, Damien? I don't know. I'm getting tired too. I'm, I'm glad you're getting tired. So I was about to take a coffee, and uh, I remember that Jonas will not be happy because I will give, be giving a bad <laughs> example of uh, using coffees. Uh, water. <laughs> yeah, it's water. Yeah. I would get one too, but my problem is I really need to go to the toilet. So it's uh, like, do I need to go to get a coffee and go to the toilet and leave my guests here by my, by themselves? That is not very nice. So tough decisions. Yeah. Tough decisions. Uh, I just stay here. <laughs> For, for the future, I, I really don't know. Like, I hope I have the time, the time and the, the mental energy to to play um, a bit of Battlefield uh, 2042. And if I do, that would be like only a few weeks. Uh, hopefully, I can stream uh, if my computer allows it, because that's a, like a, also a big question for me. Can I play this game without buying a new computer, which I would like not to do? Uh, and for the rest, I don't know. I'm like I'm. I think I'm doing a PhD, so uh, I should accept it <laughs> and not go try to go back to my old, uh, you know, my old habits. That's nice. I mean, let's see what the the time and the games uh, and everything will come and and give us, right? Yeah, yeah. And I will not be changing my name, by the way. So I think. Uh, oh really? Okay. Yeah. Surprise. Mm. I mean, you have so many different like nicknames that you came up with all the time. So technically, oh, yeah, you're like true. the you are actually like the the one person who always changes names. I've never played, I've not played Battlefield Four with my real name for like five years. Uh, for exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, question is, how many accounts do you have? One. He's always um, changing two, his name. Two. two. And you can uh, just change PC. Two. I don't know how it works on PC, but on PlayStation, you need to make different accounts. So. No, no. You can just change as much as you want and put anything. Ah, I didn't want. even know that. Okay, mm -hmm. stupid question. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. You should see some of his nicknames. PlayStation player question. <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like I feel we could talk about so much more stuff, and I feel I missed like I feel we just scratched a little bit, even though we talked like for two or three hours now. It's it's crazy, but I really uh, I really enjoyed the talk. I hope you guys in the chat enjoyed it as well, and we we could give you some insights tonight. Um, Maybe we are, yeah, bloody, very. <laughs> um, did I miss any questions now? I feel like, was there any question left? Uh, some for Willa, actually, yeah. Does Willa regret that he made Zuzu jump public? <laughs> Best decision of my life. Uh, no, for, for real, I think the Zuzu jump created a little bit of drama around the infantry gameplay it created a bit of interest around the infantry gameplay and i would say the amount of suffering it inflicted to anyone playing lurkers these days is compensated by the well the, the 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 new players it um it's introduced to uh this kind of uh, gameplay and to infantry gameplay on battlefield 4 in general so yeah i think it i don't regret it i think it was a a good decision like i was saying at the very start of this video any new mechanic introduced uh, about a Battlefield 4 infantry, I think was a good thing because we were a little bit too limited 
so I think it was a, a good thing, especially since now people are doing stuff like the Vuzu. I mean, it went crazy, I, I must say. People are doing weird jumps now. But the Vuzu jump, I, I don't regret it. Uh, I mean, we, we discussed and we talked about that so many times over the years. I remember like even like the original video, I, I talked to you about it and you like even commented on it. Uh, in, in my opinion, I, I kind of disagree in that way that um, it's not, it's not good to make like game breaking stuff public. Of course, like you you try to make the game developers aware like what kind of problem it is. But I agree with you in the sense that like certain like game mechanics and especially like movement mechanics and new ways to to play the game are always like helpful. And even like the Suzu jump or like the me mechanic of like jump peaking itself in my, in my in my opinion it's it's great. Like similar to like the slide in Battle One, if you remember, even though it was. Um, quite uh, a topic basically in the community and the community was quite split about um, how overpowered the slide was like similar to the jump it is still a great mechanic that is switching up the gameplay in different ways how you can peak and how you can um, yeah basically either like get get to cover or you can aggressively like try and peek and play and kill someone so yeah yeah it's maybe pure luck but i saw a surge of popularity around uh Infantry gameplay in 2015. Uh, I think it was obviously linked to the new game mode that we had uh, for for Five Five, which was obliteration and much better in domination. But I think it was among the parameters which drew a little bit more attention on Five Versus Five gameplay gameplay in 2015, and which uh, gave Battlefield 4 the potential to grow, uh, well, bigger than it actually did. Are you, um, I mean, we will see on Battlefield 2042 probably uh, more like a movement from Battlefield 5, right? Um, now, in retrospective, do you prefer move, the Battlefield 4 movement to Battlefield 5 or the other way around? Or what did you like from this or that? I have to ask now. I know, I'm sorry, guys. I said we will reach the end, but I, I was curious now because we were talking about movement and stuff. I mean, it's a good slide. question for sure. Um... Like once again, like Battlefield 2042 will be something new in that sense. So it will not be straight up comparable to like any like other previous Battlefield title. Um, and we've only like really seen like officially like the movement out of like the trailers. Where like even like slide has been confirmed in I believe like the Irish trailer or something like that, the, the yeah. showcase. So a mechanic like that will be in the game. Um, but in terms of what I would really prefer, like Battle 4 movement compared to Battle 5, um, I haven't played that much Battle 5, I, I gotta say, so I might be a little bit biased, but I would still say like Battle 4 movement, even though it had its downsides, um, would probably be more favorable, but at the same time, um, yeah, it, it's gonna be something new and we will all have to adapt, no matter if you come from like Battle 5, Battle 1, Battle 4, or like even back from Battle 3. Yeah, Battlefield 4 all the way, uh, air, air strafe was... Yeah. So enjoyable about it before. Air, air strafe and the lack of mm. friction when you landed were really doing it for me. I just felt free. I just felt like I could meet someone. If the, even if the guy wasn't aiming too well, I could just jump, do a right-left movement and not die. Of course, you may say, hey, that's not very balanced for new players. But from my point of view, as an experienced player, definitely about it before. Yeah. I can actually add on one thing. Um, because of like Portal and the opportunity to play with the Battlefield Bad Company 2 settings, there will also be like an option uh, in the basically um, uh, game settings where you can enable Bad Company 2 movement. That includes, for example, not being able to go prone and not air strafing at all. 
So it'll be quite different. Um, this is like a game that came out, what, like 11 years ago. Uh, and most players are completely used to um, air strafing nowadays and being able to change your movement on the fly while you're in the jump. And bad county too, as soon as you jump in a direction, you can't do anything. You're literally um, stuck and you cannot change your direction at all. Oh. So it will be very interesting to see if the community or like the players will go back and try this kind of setting and the movement style and if they will like it or if they will um, basically hate it in that sense. And nostalgia mm -hmm. is, uh, is a very, very strong drug in that sense. Mm. Well, also habit, you know, and what you're used to and what you're yeah, used sure. to like to. Hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, but that's it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't focus anymore. Um, I don't know if um, we, we have to call it a night. I'm so sorry, guys. I hope really, guys, you all enjoyed it. Um, if anyone now wants to follow us, by the way, you can do it now. I officially allow us to follow us now. So Gamers for Care, by the way, is a nonprofit uh, gaming channel here. Um, we are doing this podcast to, yeah, to to build up deep conversations here and, and give um, everyone the chance to have uh, to have uh, deeper talks and, and listen to each other more. And we're also doing charity events and, and hopefully lots of gaming events coming in the future also on Battlefield 2042. And yeah, I hope you, all, you guys enjoy what we are doing. Lots of amazing people here. It's not only me. No, we have lots of people in the background actually helping also content creators. So yeah, stay safe all, stay healthy. Have fun gaming. Enjoy life. All right. So who are we waiting? Who are we? Who are we sharing love with? Uh, do you want to say something to the end? For the end, Johannes, Damien, is there anything you want to give the the people in the end? Like, I, don't I mean, know. we had a very nice talk, and uh, I appreciate the invite and being able to talk about like the battlefield history, like the esports side of things. And uh, yeah, let's see what's coming up. Uh, with Battlefield 2042, soon TM, and uh, yeah, have a good night, everyone. Yeah, same uh, as Johannes. It's really nice to have an audience uh, about these topics, which are sometimes very, uh, I don't know, elitist topics, or I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, really, it's really nice to see so many people interested in that and to see the same faces over and over again. I feel like our community has resisted to time, to time. Like it's been what seven years or six years, and yeah, depending who you ask, there are so many players out of uh, too many different Battlefield areas that are still playing or yeah. coming back to it again. It's really nice. It's, uh, yeah. it's emotional, I would even say. It is, right? I mean, the community is still, in a way, it's small, right? I mean, everyone knows everyone, I feel, very often, especially when it comes down to the community we see on social media. Mm. It, it feels like family. I actually had a couple of questions about the community, but we are not starting that. I, I think we need, if you if you don't mind, if you ever want to, we probably have to do a second podcast about that because um, there, there is, I think, lots of stuff we can still talk about. But let's see. Let's see what Battlefield 2042 is bringing, right? Oh, wait. Broken yeah. Machine. What, what thoughts on maxing FOE overdone, unnecessary? Now you're um, coming forward with questions. <laughs> You see, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It clearly depends on the game. If you're speaking about Battlefield 4, I would say it's uh, 
like the max level in Battlefield 4 to me is too high, but having a high field of view in Battlefield 4 is a good thing because it's a game that's more, mm. it's not, it's less aim-based. You don't need to be very, very accurate like you were on Battlefield 3, where the field of view is anyway fixed when you're uh, zooming in. Uh, I think the field of view is 70 when you're zooming in. Uh, and on Battlefield 4, I think my, my personal uh, opinion is that the, the optimal way to do is to have a high field of view. So you don't, you don't see the small movements of your weapon uh, when you're shooting and you don't need to see them anyway because the game is not accuracy based compared to Battlefield 3. On other games like Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 5, I think the same logic kind of applies. A little bit on, less on Battlefield 5, where in my opinion still, uh, a low field of view, at least when you're ADSing, is pretty efficient because Battlefield 5 has slightly different gunplay and being accurate is a little bit more important than it. What yeah, field of view did you say... have in Battlefield 5? Sorry, Damien. What did you uh, have? Pretty low field of view, I think. I don't remember exactly, but I had a pretty, uh, I was actually pretty low sense and pretty, pretty low field of view. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I wouldn't know, remember the, the, the numbers though. No, no, it's yeah. okay. But I mean, that's still a hint. So. Most yeah, just... like in, in my opinion, to, to add on onto that, uh, it really depends heavily, like on the game that you're playing under the game mode. So uh, in theory, of course, like a high FOV would give you the highest advantage of like simply seeing more and being able to react to things uh, much easier. You also have like a different perspective or like you're running faster and you simply do, mu do stuff much faster. Recoil. But the trade of like an accuracy might not be worth it. So I can give you an example when I was like playing Domination. I also like played with a, like a relatively like, high FOV, I believe like 100 or something. Mm -hmm. But once we switched to like squad up situation in Battle 4, where it was like more like a linear kind of play style where you had your specific gunfights and you usually like knew where your enemies were coming from actually turned down my FOV to like 85 or like 84 at the moment. Yeah. Or like even, I uh, believe it's like 69. Um, and then like uh, horizontal, it's like 84, you know, like how you have that setting in, in Battle 4. So it's really low. Um, it depends on your own personal place in the end of the day and how you can really focus on um, what is important for you. If you want to favor accuracy, um, and if that's like you kind of like play style, you're more like an anchor player, um, that might be more beneficial for you. But if you're someone that is like jumping into the action that needs to like flick around, turn around, then like a higher FOV will obviously be, be more useful. Yeah. And you have to take sensitivity into account. Uh, some very, very high sense players like to have slightly lower field of views because they can't manage to do it with very, very high field of views. Uh, like I, I, one of the best that before player, in my opinion, uh, who was called 9XT, was like his sense was like 10 centimeters for a computer, maybe even less. And he was playing with a field of view that was not that high, it was pretty low. And apparently, it helped him to keep the accuracy with such a very high sensitivity. So, you, yeah, I think that's an, another parameter on the, on, the, on the top of which you can uh, uh, add your field of view. He became a Warzone streamer, by the way. He's a huge one now. Yeah. Interesting. Now, it was just um, I'm, I, I thought like when you were playing like on console, for example, on Battlefield Five, everyone was telling you, you know, go max, go max. It helps you with your aim and everything. But I also met like, like, one player specifically. Um, I don't know if Helmut is still here, but dummy here. And he played with a FOE of 80 or something. And, and, you know, everyone else was doing the opposite, but, and, but he was crushing it. You know, he was, he was maybe 
as good as you, Wheeler. <laughs> I don't know, but he was really good. So I just was thinking in the end, maybe everyone has to find their own thing also. It's definitely sure. personal. And at the same time, like I said, it's a trade-off between like mm -hmm. different things and what you want to uh, focus on is important. Mm -hmm. uh, to bring like another example of like CSGO, for example, um, there you still have players that are playing with like four by three resolution that are literally like cutting their, not only like the FOV, but literally like what they see, they're cutting um, the sides of it Standard. and are playing with black bars mm -hmm. only because they can focus more. They're playing like stretch resolution. So the models appear bigger and stuff like that. So it really depends um like your play style and what you really like want to focus on because um if you have like a lower fov it might be much easier for you to to see stuff basically to to know those yeah. small things you might mm -hmm. see like a small shadow that you otherwise would not see with like a higher fov mm -hmm. yeah there's so many things to it yeah it was a big debate i think it's uh, in 2013 when csgo was released not long ago uh, about what's the best field of view now that you could go uh, six, uh, six, 16 by 9 on csgo many people were starting to say, hey, you have more field of view. So technically, it's just a placebo to think that four by three is better. You just see more in 16 by, by nine. So you have more information, so it's better. And well, history didn't really confirm that. Like the, the best players, many, many best top players kept, kept and still play in uh, four yeah, by three. Tuesday, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not as simple as, uh, you know, optimal sometimes to know what's optimal you actually need to see how people re really play the game very interesting all right guys thank you so much for sharing all of this super interesting insights here yeah really fun to talk about all that kind of stuff it's we don't really have these opportunities to uh, like have like a wider audience and to discuss like certain topics basically and yeah like uh, damien earlier said the the battlefield and especially like competitive community is pretty like tight net and pretty exclusive in a sense so we don't uh, like necessarily like reveal our secrets so to speak often so it's it's a good opportunity for sure and might get some people aware and uh, yeah let's see what will be uh, possible in battlefield 2042 in the end Machine said it wasn't a what do you recommend question. Notice that many people play us these days. Huh? Wait. Can't read it. Players these days max it out, particularly on Battlefield 5. Seeing more, yeah, nearby, but missing out and not seeing players moves ahead and making bad plays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, yeah, okay. Whereas as There's a, a trade-off. Yeah, seasoned pros keep it pretty low. Yeah, for Battlefield 5, at least, I think it's uh, mm -hmm. important. Especially since, well, visibility on Battlefield 5 is not exactly the same as Battlefield 1 or Battlefield 4 with the, the 3D spot as before. So yeah, it makes sense to me. Maybe, maybe in the end, it's also a thing that, I mean, we all get conditioned by the videos and the people we are watching and following, right? You know, of course, yeah. One person in, in the end is... of the day, you might copy like certain settings, or mm -hmm. you might see someone play very, very well with like a certain resolution or like FOV. You try to copy that, and basically, um, what a lot of people did with like Vela uh, himself too, like in Battle Four, there are still players that are like trying to copy his playstyle and even like sensitivity to, to because mm -hmm. I think that might make them a good player too. It all plays a part, hmm. but in the end of the day, it is really like a personal choice, and no one can really tell you what is best. Or what is better like all things have like certain advantages and disadvantages to them and if you can play good on um like a high or low fov 
um, that's that's on you. That's personal. It doesn't mean that the the next person um, yeah. will be the same for them. That's part of the fun. Yeah. I was just thinking about like this then Zen thing. Like uh, I'm a photographer in real life, right? And if you if you want to make a career as a photographer, everyone is telling you find your own style and stick with it and make it really good, right? So yep. maybe that's the same with gaming. Like find your own style, stick with it, and make it really good. Yeah, and not I, try. I, I don't know. We we have this. I guess this maybe the same relationship to other players' gameplay. So we try to. I mean, depending on what you want to do, but if you want to be recognized uh, as a streamer, you have to find maybe something specific. You have to see how other players are playing. And you, at least in my case, I wondered, how could, can I change that? How can I challenge that? How can I, do, can I do something that maybe is not optimal, but mm -hmm. is different and manages to do the, the job in a different way. Uh, and I think like also competitive players who are really serious also wonder all the time, how can I basically break the meta? How can I play something that no one is playing and just, just you know, surprise people with this new gameplay? You have that on many, many games. Uh, you have a video, I think, on, on for, even on like a Smash Bros. Mini, you have a, a guy who completely changed the meta of the game by playing a character that no one was playing. Uh, and in F FPS games, it's less obvious, but you have that also with some players who just started playing the game in a very different way. Like Stewie2K and CSGO, he started going through all the smokes in a very aggressive manner. And it, it, you know, it works and it works for you because you get some reputation and it works in terms of uh, efficiency because you surprise the other players and you win matches, hopefully. Sorry. I need water. <laughs> <laughs> That's super, super interesting. So is there anything else anyone wants to say? <laughs> <laughs> I need more questions. <laughs> need more questions? I mean, could take a break of five minutes. Everyone gets a coffee. I get to pee. And we take another 10, 15 minutes or something. <laughs> um, yeah, sparkling water. I'm sorry, I'm German. We drink sparkling water. <laughs> At least I do. Hmm. It's the best. It's the best. I'm also, fight yeah, I'm also fighting for recognition of sparkling water in France. <laughs> Why did Rayla play on lower resolutions? Okay, I need to pee now. Uh, I think basically two, two things, basically bad PC at the start, and then I got used to it and I thought, okay, when I'm going on higher resolutions, I'm not good as before. So there is no big thinking behind it. What I did on Battlefield 3 though was to, was to uh, copy paste Jika's uh, gameplay and Jika was playing in eight, uh, 800, 800 by 600, I think, mm -hmm. which is very low and it made your game look different but you could still see the important parts that, that is enemies so you had i guess less mental load you could just focus on the important parts uh now it's not true anymore like the the meta with most video games currently are uh, high resolution so i don't think that it, it matters anymore yeah what i heard uh back in the day also like from chica because i, I talked to him about that too and, and battle for specifically and and hunter um that Battle 4 would be more designed for, for consoles and more optimized for like basically like console like 720p resolution, that kind of stuff. So that's why even a lot of like Battle 4 competitive players back in the day still played with not like full HD resolution, but uh, like 1600 by 900. Uh, what was it like 1376 by 768 resolution or something like that? So there were quite some variances, but usually you would play with lower resolution, and especially when you were playing Domination, uh, like infantry focused. Um, 
a game mode where you did not have to see much details at all. You could really get that advantages and yeah. a little bit better performance um, over better looks. Yeah, and another parameter that people tend to forget, and which makes me realize I'm really old, is that at one point we played low resolution because of the screens we were using. We are not using uh, LCD screens like we are right now. We are using cathodic. I don't know the name in English, but uh, cathodic uh, screens uh, in French, where you know the big screens. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not not flat ones. And the lower the resolution you were going, the higher the refresh rate. You basically if you went to H rate by six hundred, you could have a higher resolution, uh, higher refresh rate. Sorry. Hertz, uh, CRT, yeah. CRT. Sorry. CRT. Yeah. I think I was using one of them. Uh, uh, was the last guy I saw use one. Yeah, it's actually quite funny because uh, like in the very like early days, everyone was still like using CRT monitors, which had like a higher uh, Hertz, uh, like refresh uh, frequency. Then like for a couple of years, we switched to like LCD monitors and it, like came out new, like flat screens, basically so much new, must be so much better. But in the end of the day, we kind of like went back to like preferring like the uh, higher increases or like refresh rate in terms of like Hertz. And um I could have definitely imagined that some people would have stuck with like playing CRT simply because of, like the refresh rate, because especially like when all the like LCD monitors came out, I'm pretty sure it was like 60 at the most. Yeah, it was 60 and uh, the the response time was five milliseconds, I think at best, so oh, yeah. sometimes 10 milliseconds. And of course the um, CRT had barely, basically zero uh, millisecond refresh rate. It's not the same technology, so it was much better. Uh, and I think they really needed to invest a lot of money in the gaming um, uh, current in the current gaming screens to, you know, force some players to 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 take the to make a change. Uh, and now the question is not there anymore because it's going up to 300 hertz. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it took basically like 10 years to uh, to be here again. Yeah, it's like for the keyboards. We. Anyway, that's going to be too long, I think. Yeah, we, we could talk about so much <laughs> yeah. stuff. Like... I was just thinking, like, I, I, my, my next question would be, like, what about VR? Have you ever thought about playing shooter games, you know, like, futuristic? Yeah, there's some. There's even an esports uh, VR shooter game in, in real life where people, like, go pro in real life. It's like, we had we had headsets on to, like, shoot below a truck and stuff like that. It's it's super funny to watch. Um, it exists. I think, it would, I, think it would, I would throw up. To be honest, I, I think I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Like, That's I don't some. know. It, but it's also great exercise, you know, if you have to like to physically go crouch and you need to brawl all the time, stand up super fast, you <laughs> yeah. know, like only like the fit people can really be the best. Yeah, but think about somebody, just somebody is uh, here giving you the knife, killing you with a knife. Like, ah, I would yeah. scream. It's, scary. it's super scary. Also, like, is it even healthy? Like, wouldn't people go like nuts? doing this like i don't know it's isn't isn't it too intense you know for your mind okay sorry i i really i really started now something like it's, it's still an infant's shoes basically <laughs> and uh to 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 say it easy we will, we will see in the future it might be something that we will all play in like 20 Motion years sickness. from now on but yeah uh, yeah teabagging in vr yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually afraid of that. Like, you know, we spent all this time being good with a mouse or a controller, and then we have to switch to just shooting at people directly in the face with a real uh, weapon. I would actually feel like I I developed skills for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. That's crazy. That's crazy. 
Yeah, but technology changes. You never know what, like, even like input devices we might use in, uh, like, even like a decade from now. Yeah, we'll be like, uh, you know, saying to our kids, uh, you know, back in my time, we were using a mouse. Yeah, right. What is we, a mouse? We, we are getting <laughs> fucked by Marines, son. <laughs> <laughs> then, then we know how important it is to play tennis, stay healthy and fit. <laughs> True. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You need to hit the grenades, you know, it's like a tennis. Yeah, right. <laughs> Damn, the skills would be so different then, definitely. I don't know. All right, guys, I'm so sorry, but we really, we really hit, will hit the end now. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe we do it another time. Thank you so much all for being here. Thank you so much, really. You guys were amazing in the chat. And we had a big fucking raid here as well. Two raids, actually. Thank you so much for the raid. Also, all the new guys here, uh, I hope you really enjoyed it. Um, thank you for staying with us and for for being so active in the chat. It's always a pleasure to see that these conversations here. And yeah, guys, see you all in Belfield 2042, I guess. Uh, maybe we see you as well for a couple of streams and games. I don't know. And um, who who will we wait now? Who's who's now? Do you guys have uh, anyone to suggest here in the chat? Otherwise, I will take a look who's right now live. Can't even talk. I mean, let's let's see like some Battlefield streamers.